This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Hello you numpties, this is the villain Marty Skell and you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. <laughs> you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling with your hosts Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 126. I'm Nick Howell. And venom in my veins, hands in my pants, just like Randy Orton. I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to the show this week. (laughs) And welcome to our first show after Fastlane, and the first show on the final stretch to WrestleMania. Nick, we're in. We're in. It's WrestleMania season, baby! Oh, we're here. Oh, my God. There's so much happening. I'm trying to keep up. Uh, but it's not just WWE either. We got uh, we got New Japan's got his New Japan Cup going on. We're building up for a metric crap ton of shows that are happening in New York the same weekend as WrestleMania. So everyone is just bearing down on that. Whether it's Impact or Ring of Honor or New Japan or there's all kinds of stuff happening. So we got a, we got our, our hands full this week, and that's you know again that's all on the side. WWE had a busy week too. We had a lot of stuff happen on Raw and SmackDown. We got to talk about all of that. It's there's a lot to get to today, Nick. So much wrestling. Oh, oh, my God. oh God. I feel sorry for the NYPD and the Port Authority and everybody that's going to be in New York that weekend. Good Lord. Millions of people are going to descend upon Manhattan. Well, I don't feel sorry for everybody. I, I feel pretty happy for the wrestling fans who are in town because they're going to have a blast. It's going to be it's going to be pretty awesome. And uh, if you are one of our listeners and you are going to be there in New York at WrestleMania, let us know because we'd love to get your on-the-scene feedback about what's going on uh the the people down in it want to hear all about it so nick might even arm you with some swag to wear while you're there so if you're going to wrestlemania or if you're going to be in new york that weekend get at me dog and uh where can they where can they find you nick where can they find us that's a fantastic question, Ian. Thanks. The best place to find us is in the Busted Wide Open discussion group over on Facebook. Just come over to Facebook.com, search for, the bu- search for Busted Wide Open, you'll find the group. Hit join, we'll get you in there. For some weekly threads on every WWE show every single week and interaction with all of our other listeners, it is the hub of our operation, so please come and join us. You can also find us over on Twitter at BWO Podcast, YouTube at YouTube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. And for all of our fans of the show, we love you. We love our patrons. 
Uh, we thank you for your support. If you'd like to get involved and ask listener questions, get bonus episodes, uh, some sweet swag, all kinds of good stuff, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those reward tiers and become a member in, I think I'm going to follow JB's lead here, become a member of the B-Dub Club. Uh, really? The B-Dub Club? I can't come up with anything else. Who, I, you guys you guys tell me what you want to... That was JBC who came up with that? Yeah, that was her idea. I'm going to have to give her a call and i got some <laughs> questions about that one. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, we'll, we'll figure out a better name for the for the for for our, our listeners and our, our fans and our patrons because that's... Uh, yeah, I question that one. But yes, we have a lot coming up for WrestleMania season, especially for our patrons. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a second, Nick. Yeah. Because we have to go over and get this show started with... The big news. Oh my God, it's here. It's finally time. It's WrestleMania season. <laughs> I'm losing my shit. I know. It's it's official, man. Like Fastlane's done. We got nothing else between us and the big show. And we got a lot to do. Uh, we also want... So the first things first, as we just mentioned... Our patrons, if you are a member of our Patreon, um, then you are going to be able to join up with us on some fun stuff with WrestleMania. Uh, we have a couple ideas we want to throw at you if you're a patron. If you're not a patron, sign up because, uh, Nick, I think this year we're going to make a big deal out of our WrestleMania pickums, and we're going to make it possible for our patrons to join in on the BWO official pickums. This is not just filling out a sheet. No, no. This is filling out a sheet. For prizes, winners will get stuff. We we're gonna figure out what that stuff is, but we, you're gonna get stuff. <laughs> yes, uh, we're gonna actually have like an official BWO Pickums sheet that you can download, fill out, get back to us, and then uh, everyone who fills that out will be automatically entered into the pool, and uh, we will place your numbers against everybody else's and against our own. You will face now, off. You will face off not only with the other listeners, but you will face off with the undefeated at WrestleMania, Nick Howell, and the woo! undefeated everywhere else but WrestleMania, Sir Ian Dangerous. So it's a, it's going to be a lot of fun, and if you'd like to join up with that, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign on up now. Get in now, because this will be coming very soon. And if you come in last, I have some interesting ideas for you as well. Nia so Jax tattoo? Nia Jax tattoo. Know. Yes. Yes. Just in case you come in last, Nick, I want that to be a thing. Listen. No, 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 no. We're, we're, no. Okay. Let's move, let's move on. What else do we have in the big news? <laughs> so, okay. So I, I put this in the big news section because, look, this is the beginning of the road to WrestleMania, the true road to WrestleMania. Uh, it's not the Rumble, especially not this year. But uh, right now, this, we're in the final stretch here. And so I wanted to run down where we're at with WrestleMania. This is going to be post this week's programming, too. So if you haven't seen it, we haven't gotten to it yet. There's spoilers in this section, but whatever. We'll talk about them and get into details about them in the actual main guts of our show. But I do want to run down everything that we know about WrestleMania so far because it's kind of an interesting place where we're at this year with WrestleMania for a couple of reasons, and I want to talk about them. So let's... Let us get into it. Officially announced at this point in WWE programming, things that we know will be happening at WrestleMania, is that Alexa Bliss will be the, quote, host of WrestleMania. And if, if the past is any indication, that just means she'll show up from time to time for a segment or two, uh, have a couple of little bits, etc. 
So she will be the host of WrestleMania. And we know that Colin Jost and Michael Che are the quote-unquote correspondents for WrestleMania, whatever that means. Whatever that means. Whatever yeah. that means. Whether or not WrestleMania will or WWE will have any kind of presence on Saturday Night Live the night before WrestleMania, whether those two guys will be at the big show, we don't know. That's just, it's been announced. We Live know from New York, it's WrestleMania. I mean, <laughs> hey, if Hello. You, you want Let's mainstream lob that attention. Softball up for you guys. Well, right? and WWE has always wanted WrestleMania to be about mainstream attention, whether it's Liberace or Muhammad Ali or, or Mr. T or, you know, all the way up to Pitbull. You know, that's what they want that. So it makes sense. And I think that that's actually a really good inroad for them because there's a lot of people on TV who are closet wrestling fans, whether it's the, you know, Jost and Che or, or John Stewart or whoever you, who, who have you. So, you know, if they're fans, make use of it. Yep. It's, you know, makes sense. Uh, official matches that we know of right now, Shane versus Miz was made official this week. Triple H versus Batista in a no holds barred match was made this week. No holds barred. You won't know, Hogan. You won't know. Sorry, I always go back to that that promo with Scary Sherry and Zeus and Macho Man. No holds barred. <laughs> I can't help it. Uh, Kurt Angle will have his farewell match at WrestleMania. We don't know against who, but he will be having a farewell match. Uh, Becky versus Charlotte versus Rousey versus Ronda Rousey is official, finally. Finally, official. Uh, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton is official as well. That was announced after SmackDown this week. And it's looking likely like Seth versus Brock will not get tampered with or tinkered with anymore. It will be Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. So those are the official matches that we have right now. The ones we know about. The ones that are, yeah, the ones we know about that they've confirmed for the most part. Uh, the, the, now, there's a lot up in the air still. The WWE Championship. We have no idea if Kofi Mania is going to run to WrestleMania, if Kevin Owens uh, will have anything to do with Mustafa Ali still circling that one. We have no idea if that's going to be a ladder match, a multi-man match, what's happening there. The tag championships, all three tag championships are still up in the air. We have no idea who Revival will be defending against if they still hold it at WrestleMania. We have no idea who the Usos will be uh, facing off against. They had a promo this week where they, they called out everybody. And the women's tag team division also looks like it's stacking up as well. So we have no idea. We may have three multi-team tag matches at WrestleMania, which seems a little I could much. I get on board with that. You're, you're usually a one-on-one -on -one kind of person, so that's saying something. Well, for tag stuff, I mean. Oh, I see. So you just don't, you wouldn't, you just don't mind just a big old cluster in the tag division? Sure. Okay. Why not? <laughs> uh, the Intercontinental belt changed hands this week, and we don't know what that's going to look like for Mania, although I have some suspicions we'll talk about in our Raw segment. Uh, the U.S. title also has been kind of crazy over the last few months. we got four guys who seem to be circling it right now, as well as the specter of John Cena hanging over it. Uh, Roman, Roman Reigns, we don't know what he's doing at WrestleMania. You know he's doing something. And after, <laughs> after, yeah, after Raw this week, I, I think it's fairly clear we'll have something to do with Drew McIntyre. Right. Uh, we also don't know what's happening with Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania, if he's just done uh, or not. Uh, or if he's somehow involved in that as well. Braun Strowman ain't got nothing to do, although we have some suspicions about what he might be doing after Raw this week. And the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. We have no idea if they're going to actually find a decent opponent for Asuka or if Mandy Rose is going to still be her opponent come WrestleMania. 
So there's a lot of stuff still up in the air. And if you look at all of those feuds I just mentioned, that's going to be a long-ass show. That's could be seven-plus hours. Plus the Cruiserweight Championship. Buddy Murphy's defending it against somebody. Several people, from what I Several, understand. Well, yep. he's, down to, he's down to two now. They're having a tournament to determine who he's facing at WrestleMania. We're down to two, which we'll talk about in our 205 Live segment. But basically, that's a, that's a potentially long-ass show. And, and of those, Nick, this one's for you. How many do you see actually being singles matches? Shane versus Miz, Triple H versus Batista, Kurt Angle, AJ versus Randy, Seth versus Brock. There's the singles matches. Everything else looks like it could be a multi-person or multi-team match. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have no... Yeah. Uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. Uh, I have no real... I, I just, I don't know. Did, what, I'm, I'm at a loss what for do you words. See because, their other well, here's, options here's what I will say. The takeaway from Fastlane was this. Uh, somebody doesn't really know what to do with individual superstars anymore. And we've, caught to, we've gotten to this point where it's almost become more entertaining and not a spectacle of, of athleticism between two, two men or two women. It's now going to these group affairs or multi-person matches where they're all just who can outlast the other one or who can pull a fast one over on the other one rather than just a straight-up fight. And the thing that I'm excited about of the ones we've got confirmed so far, honestly, AJ, Randy, and Batista and Triple H just in straight-up fights. They just don't like each other, and it's just two dudes that they're going to settle their differences in the ring. It's personal. Wrestling style. Yeah, which is, of course, that's that's the traditional way of looking at it is two guys – Finishing their, you're settling their differences in the ring in a straight up fight. So I, I don't know. I'm looking at the stepping back and looking at this and seeing actually quite a bit of different possibilities here. And the fact that they have a bunch of big, you know, throwing everything at the wall matches sometimes in WrestleMania history has not worked out well. And you have, and those are the matches they kind of cut for time a lot of times, which makes no sense to me. But they also have a history of taking those bigger matches and having them be a lot of fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. those those matches like ladder matches or group matches can be a good time. And the problem is that I'm seeing they just have too many damn talented people on the roster for one show. And everyone wants to see all these people. But they're you know what? Honestly, half that roster is ending up in the Andre the Giant Battle Royale. Sorry, it's just going to happen. And probably some of your favorites, some of my favorites, some of other people's favorites, they're going to be in the Battle Royale. It's just gonna. It's just the way it works. They're gonna get that that WrestleMania paycheck though. So good for them. And and you know, I hope they all get on the show. It is what it is. But in the interest of maintaining storyline storylines and not becoming convoluted, that's also another reason why I always like straight up fights. But you know, you, said, you mentioned the become, rest, hold on. You mentioned the WrestleMania paycheck. Like before, we go to the creative aspect of it. This is the. It's actually supposedly one of the reasons why both Austin Aries and Neville are no longer with the company. Because they did not get the WrestleMania paycheck because their match for the Cruiserweight Championship was on the pre-show. And that's not on the DVDs. It's not on the Blu-rays. So they did not get the WrestleMania paycheck. Everyone else did. And so that's one of the reasons why they boned out. So I do I do empathize with the superstars yeah. who are not getting on that show, even though it sounds like they're trying to get as many as possible on the big show. But do you think it's any, there's any way possible they would have the Battle Royale on the pre-show? Yes, they have for the last few years. So <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, that being said, Nick, so we have a lot to look forward to at WrestleMania. We're, we're, there's still a lot to sort out, and hopefully they do it in time for us to put together the, the pickums. It's going to be madness all the way to the yes. end. But to talk about some of that madness, we have to go and discuss Monday Night Raw. Well, we open up Monday Night Raw with The Shield. Of course we do. <laughs> uh, the Shield comes out. Says, awesome, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. We did our farewell match. Yippity-yah. Yippity-yah. But Seth, uh, they weren't done. Seth got into a jawing match with Paul once he started talking about Brock Lesnar. And he took it to Paul, like in a way that I had not seen anybody take it to Paul before, where he was doing his shtick, throwing it right back at him, and then to had a moment where he countered Paul with some opportunities of vulnerability that he found in Brock Lesnar. And I thought that was one of the more interesting things that I've ever seen anybody go back and forth with with Paul Heyman. What did you, uh, what did you think about how things kicked off here? I, well, first, of, first and foremost, I'm surprised you breezed over the Shield's supposed quote-unquote goodbye moment as much as you did. Because that, I, eh, I, well, I don't think it's done. Exactly. And that's kind of the point I was going to make is that it didn't feel final. They kept no. you know, screaming up and down on the commentary, and even you know the the guys themselves, Seth and and Roman and, and uh, Dean, all were like, "Well, I guess we're going our separate ways." It did not feel final at all. It didn't yeah. feel like we had seen the last of anything. Uh, you know, I'm still not 100 percent convinced that Dean is leaving uh, for good, uh, if if at all. And uh, it definitely still feels like they're going to be up in each other's business. Like they might be going their own way for a while, but the, the, let's face it: uh, retirements in wrestling are never permanent unless you're in the ground. All right, you can ask pretty much anybody. How many times has Terry Funk retired? Ric Flair had the one of the, most, one of the greatest send-offs ever, and he was in TNA six months later. Like, come on, it just it doesn't happen. So you tell me the Shield's done. I'm like, okay, <laughs> moving on. But as you said, they, each of the guys said that they had things to do that, that night on Raw. Roman had a match. Uh, Dean was going to do whatever Dean was going to do. Even Dean doesn't know what he's going to do. And uh, Seth had some words for Brock Lesnar. And as you said, Paul Heyman came out to, uh, to talk to him about those things. And as you said, that was an interesting segment. It, it did seem like he had Paul Heyman on his heels a few times during this. And the interesting point that Seth brought up and this, to me, sounds like uh, the writers taking history and forming it to their own story, which, which works in this particular case. And that was Seth saying, yeah, yeah, Brock beat up Samoa Joe. He beat up Braun Strowman. He beat up all these big guys. But you know who he had trouble with? Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, all guys who are about my size and kind of work my style. Smaller, faster, quicker. He had trouble with those guys. And the thing that, that I have that they don't have is the ability to beat Brock Lesnar. So the the fact that he was able to get under Paul's skin with that, uh, that it showed that Paul was actually worried about him, which Paul's great at doing. He's great at uh, putting over Brock every single time that Brock is a match and then revealing either subtly or not so subtly that Brock is in some ways worried about this person, right? Um, whether it's Samoa Joe and he was like sweating about the fact that he might beat him up or Right. Ron Strowman, you're a monster, but Brock can, Brock can beat monsters, I think. You know, he always has that little nugget where you're, as a fan, you're sitting there going, oh, there might be a chink in the beast's armor. And that happened again here. So, um, and 
the fact that he was, you know, Paul was kind of was very obviously quote scrambling for excuses for Brock for all the other ones. Oh, you know, he he didn't have enough time to prepare for right. these guys. He thought he was going to face this guy. He's end up facing this guy. So that was the problem. It did definitely made it feel like there was a chink in Brock's armor here. Now, whether that leads to anything or not, I don't know. But I, all I know is that this is a nice way to start it off. But this is where, I don't know about you, I got surprised because Seth got jumped from behind. Not by Brock, by. not by some other random Raw competitor, by a <clears throat> Shelton, Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin. What is, what? This Hello. I, hello. Uh, apparently, Paul had, quote, paid to have Shelton Benjamin jump Seth and then they ended up having a match and Paul went over on commentary I I have to admit this was random as hell but I like this because Shelton is an old legit buddy of Brock Lesnar's he did train with Brock back in the day they came up together what do you think about the concept of Shelton Benjamin as Brock Lesnar's running buddy slash goon slash a heater for Brock Lesnar I don't I don't necessarily think about it that way the way I think about it is all of a sudden, Paul Heyman is managing a, the beginnings of a stable, and I like the idea of that. Um, sort of in a you know Paul Ellering kind of way, you know he managing running AOP. I like the idea of Paul Heyman having this legion of mercenaries of sorts that he can send out to do his bidding. I almost see it as a Paul power play rather than a Brock support system at this point. And I and I really like that, and I want to see them add more to it and and give it a name, and let's have a, a badass heel faction. So you're already back, back of it. You're already back to wanting to have this stable. If we're if we're gonna have Brock, let's make it interesting. Let's get the belt off the, off of him and just make it another, uh, you know, heel power heel powerhouse faction. Go, re- you, go recruit. You think that Brock Lashley. is going to come out in a tag team with Shelton Benjamin? Tag team, no way. So I don't think there'll be a tag team. Okay. Well, I mean, I I, I wouldn't be mad at him creating a stable, or, or even Brock Lesnar and and uh, Shelton Benjamin coming out together and being like the Minnesota Wrecking th- the Minnesota Wrecking Crew three. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. Like uh, not the Beverly Brothers and not the uh, not Gene and Lars Anderson, but you've got uh, you got Brock and and Shelton. Because Shelton, I mean, even though he lost to Seth here completely clean. He's a physically imposing guy, and to have him and Brock standing next to each other would certainly be a scary sight. And if you and sure, if you add in uh, uh, Bobby Lashley to that, that'd be terrifying. Yep. But uh, but at the same time, I don't think they're heading for a stable. I think this is just Shelton based filling time while Brock is not here to give Seth one more person to keep in in mind. And I wouldn't be surprised if Shelton had some sort of something to do with the finish at WrestleMania. Yeah, ringside for Brock at Mania. Yeah, maybe I could see that. Yeah, some something where he's he's running goon. So, but uh, or you know what? If Brock goes away, if he goes back to UFC, and Heyman starts managing Shelton, just you know, Shelton's the new Paul Heyman guy. I could be down with that too. You know, I we you and I both have wanted Shelton to have something to do since he came back, and he really hasn't. No. So if they, if they build him back up and make him a force, I'd be down with that. Yeah, but we'll see what they. We'll see what they do. The other big story of Monday Night Raw was Drew freaking McIntyre because the other two members of the Shield, as we said, went off and had their own thing to do. Roman was supposed to have a match against Baron Corbin, and thank God that never happened. Instead, 
Drew McIntyre came out and beat the holy crap out of Roman, including putting his head into the ring post to the point where Roman had to be checked out by a doctor and taken to the back as Drew ran off because Seth came out to save Roman. But uh, Roman was not cleared to compete with a concussion. As a result, Dean Ambrose was furious and demanded a match with Drew McIntyre. No rules, no stipulations, false count anywhere from Triple H, who gave it to him. And to close out Raw this week, we had Dean Ambrose versus Drew McIntyre. No holds barred. No <laughs> holds barred. Hogan. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I loved this moment between <sighs> Dean and Triple H, and it was good to see Dean back to form. I'm I'm politely going to forget that I ever saw anything that Dean Ambrose did over the last three months, and just remember <laughs> him like this, because this is the Dean Ambrose that we've wanted. The, we've, sure. that we've been used to having in the shield or not murder death kill Dean hit, yep him just walking straight up to Hunter and going I want this and I want it right now and I want to go kill some somebody and he's like huh, all right so you're basically saying he it. went up to Hunter and said give me what I want give me what I want I want it give me what I want that's kind of what he said oh that was somebody else on Raw sorry I got confused there for a second there. anyway <laughs> I wonder if he spit all in his face oh, uh, I digress wait, we'll get to that we'll get to that this was fantastic. Uh, the The match at the end was also fantastic. Oh, man. Um, they just beat the holy hell out of each other. McIntyre lawn-darting Ma- uh, uh, Ambrose into the LED board several times, then putting him into the railing and Claymore kicking him to the point that the railing came out of the stairs. It, before Brilliant. He stabbed him in the eye with a pencil before that. He, he stabbed, he stabbed, oh, this was awesome. It was a brutal match. They almost threw each other off of the... Uh, uh, the like the second level stands like it was it was fun it was just chaotic crazy Dean Ambrose style match what McIntyre did here though was come across looking like a true top level psychopath heel he finally lived up to that psychopath name right he looked dangerous he was intimidating um both with Roman and with Dean he was scary and he ended the show being very scary. As you said, he Claymore kicked Dean so hard that the railing snapped off the stairs. And then Dean was laid out and trying to struggle back to me. Claymore kicked him again on the, on the uh, top of the ramp and just stood tall looking scary. It was great. It was a great moment. And frankly, if they're building towards McIntyre and Reigns at WrestleMania, which I think they probably are. Yep, God, I agree with that. Damn, that's a good way to do it. You, you genuinely made me feel like he is, he's a scary, scary man. And I want to I want to give kudos where it's due. Credit to uh, to Roman and Dean for for putting Mac over like this. It's um, just fantastic. This is what we've wanted to see out of McIntyre since he debuted, and he got wrapped up in the stupid Ziggler thing, and just uh, you know, it's he has had guys hanging on him the entire time, virtually the entire time. Whether it was Ziggler, Corbin, Lashley, whoever, he's had these hangers on, and he hasn't been able to just stand alone and be scary. And this is what he got here. This week he was scary. Yep. Maybe for the first time I saw that side of McIntyre fully out put out there. No holds barred. <laughs> yeah, we're both big just, fans just of McIntyre. Let off the leash. Um, massive fans of Drew McIntyre. Yeah. And I, I think when we when he got called up, I was I was already thinking, how are they going to get him to Mania? 
uh, next year, this year now. And we really were we were questioning the idea of him being a heel when he came to the main roster, and I think that it's actually ultimately starting to really pay off because they didn't have room for him as a face yeah. because he looks like you know if Seth Rollins and 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 Roman Reigns had a baby. He's this gigantic, huge man with Seth Rollins' facial hair and hair. You know, and so it's, I understand why they wanted to put him as a heel now. And it was the right decision. And now he's going to be near the top of the card as a heel. And they're, and it's starting to really pay off. So you and I both believe he is like the next big thing. He could at some point be the man if they ever turn him face. So yeah, th- this is right where he should be. They set this up perfectly this week. I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. And dear God, please keep Corbin out of this match. We, Just- we absolutely could see him face Jackson Riker at Mania in 2020. Moving on, uh, Finn Balor. <laughs> Finn Balor uh, is your intercontinental champion. Or he was. Wait, hold on. Finn Balor had a match against Bobby Lashley this week. And... Uh, Due to some interference by a returning Leo Rush who was banging on the ring bell, he ate a spear, and Bobby Lashley is now once again your intercontinental champion. Uh, Two things, Nick. Do you think this is leading to a Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley match at WrestleMania? And do you think that it's a good idea to have had Finn win the belt in the first place if that was ultimately the plan? Yes, it's leading to the match. I'll augment that by saying it's kind of it was kind of the plan the whole time was to have a demon moment at Mania, and you can't have the demon come out with the belt. He's got to be on offense and going to get the belt from somebody. So to your second point, I think it's played okay. It, had Lashley held on to that belt this entire time with Leo Rush, it would have gotten stale. So I think flopping it back and forth is probably it just builds to it, and we get a we get a rubber match with the demon at Mania out of it. Okay, cool. I'm I'm in. I tend I tend to agree. You're you pretty much said what I had said about their build before Finn won the belt, where I said this will run to WrestleMania and yeah. we'll see the demon at WrestleMania because he's got to beat Bobby Lashley. The way that they've kept that still a factor is by having him win the title initially off of Leo Rush. He's never pinned Lashley. So now that's still a factor. They can, if they do run this to WrestleMania, and it is Finn versus Lashley at WrestleMania, and if it's Demon Finn specifically, which I think they 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 should absolutely do. I think yep. that should be a gimme. They have a couple of different ways of getting there and making it logical that a the Demon is the one that comes out at Mania, and b it it makes sense that Finn would be intimidated by Lashley. You can go in and get he, like the the difference between the match between Brock. And Finn, where he didn't come out as the demon, and Lashley is that Lashley they they can now have enough of a build between Finn and Lashley and Leo, where it becomes so personal that you can say that it's an emotional thing that brings out the demon and Finn. He doesn't choose it; he's got to be pushed to a certain point, and Brock never got him there. So you can still have that be the storyline over the next few weeks is of Lashley and Leo pushing Finn to the point where he goes. You know what? I can't hold this back anymore, like a werewolf. You know, I've got to. I have to release this, and it's you're gonna, Hulk. you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna pay the penalty for 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 calling out the Damon Kang, Damon Kang. Do you think there's ever a middle ground where we flip Finn heel and we see a return of sorts to, of the Prince Devitt character that might have a little bit of face paint, but not full demon? 
in a sort of heel fashion? You you have just asked a question that we do not have enough time on this show for, Nick. I would. I, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about as far as heel Finn and calling back to his time in New Japan and Prince Devitt and all that and the Bullet Club and blah blah blah. I can't get into that now. We're we're let's okay. we're on the road to WrestleMania, Nick. We don't have time for this stuff. I'm just speculating. Or maybe we'll do, a, do. maybe we'll do a bonus episode for our patrons. But uh, hmm. no, I, I think that ultimately this we'll look back on this and say this is all fine. It was all in the yep. service of getting to where we wanted to go at WrestleMania. We wanted, we wanted to show that Finn could hold the Intercontinental belt, but he can't beat. He has not beaten Lashley until Mania, and then at Mania had the Demon come. Out. At least I hope that's what they're doing here. It's because also going to me, inadvertently show that the Finn can't win without the Demon. Well, yeah. Unless it's Leo Rush. Yeah. Because who else has he beaten? But that's, but that's also, I think, kind of the story that Vince wants to tell for Finn. Okay. You know what I mean? He wants to keep his big guys looking strong, but yeah. it's still show that Finn can get it done. Because Finn did show he could win the big match. It's just not necessarily that he could beat the big guy. So there's a couple of different masters they're pleasing here with this story, yeah. I, think is, I think is the, the nature of it. But um, yeah, I, I hope that this becomes Demon Finn at, at Lashley at WrestleMania. If they don't do that, I feel like they will have missed a great opportunity. Uh, speaking of opportunities, Ronda Rousey gives the opportunity to a member of the women's locker room to challenge her for her Raw Women's Championship the night after a pay-per-view. And this week was no different. Only this time it wasn't happy face Ronda Rousey looking for competition. No, no. Now we have angry heel Ronda Rousey who came Murder out there. Murder death kill Ronda Rousey. Holy <laughs> crap. You know, I, I coined that for Dean, but I think Ronda might have stolen that title. Good Hot Lord, that woman is scary when she's a heel. Um, she she jumped all over the crowd. Frankly, by the way, you know we we we've all always been kind of uh, up and down, uh, warm and cold on the Rousey uh, promo ability, I should say. Uh, and this week was no different, where she just kind of rattled off of her lines without really chewing on her words. And her verbiage is great, but. She's not really settling into what she's saying, if that makes sense. Slow down. Slow the hell down was all she needed to do because the words were there and her intensity is 100% there. But uh, she had a lot of very good, like, you know, for a heel, she had good points about saying that the crowd was, they were all on a bandwagon. She hadn't forgotten how they had cheered when she had been beaten up by Becky Lynch. Uh, She said, take your applause and shove it. And uh, went into a little bit of the kind of kayfabe breaking that she's been doing online on Twitter and so forth, where she called, she said that WrestleMania, she was going to expose Charlotte and Becky for the carny con artists that they have always been. Mm. Um, so on one hand, I'm liking them's fighting words right there. I'm liking the Ronda heel character. I feel like she went a little overboard with the kayfabe breaking online where she's pretty much openly called it fake. Wrestling fake, which I, I, you know, like with the Triple H and Batista thing, you really have to be careful how far you push that line because it can undermine the storytelling of the rest of the product when you do that. And there's certain logical holes that don't make sense. And I think that Becky and Charlotte have broken traditional kayfabe in ways that make more sense and protect the business more. Um, but people got really worked up over Ronda calling everything fake and, and all this stuff online. They got real worked up. She definitely broke some internets mm. with it. Yep. Um, but uh, but that's, you know, a lot of people are saying... She they, also almost broke Dana Brooke. 
Let's let's be clear about that. Yeah. And I don't know whose fault it was here, but she didn't cradle the neck. How much of that is on Dana? How much of that is on Rhonda? She came down very awkwardly from that swinging fireman's carry that she does. Yes. I don't even know what they, if there's a name for it at this point. Yeah, not only not only did she break the internets, but she nearly broke Dana Brooke. I actually, uh, so the Piper's Pit is the, mer- the movie you're referring to. It's her finishing move. She basically, Dana came out and said, I never get any t- t- TV time, but I'm willing to try. And Rhonda just kicked seven sorts of crap out of her. Um, and as you said, the Piper's Pit looked a little bit awkward. Looked like Dana smacked the side of her head coming down on it. But um, honestly, she she popped back up afterwards. She wasn't like carried away or anything. So yeah, um, it def- didn't look like the cleanest move. But it wasn't it wasn't Nia Jax levels of botchery. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't Brie Bella. Oh, nothing nothing will ever get to Nia Jax levels. Nothing. Of- I don't know. Brie Bella, I think, was uglier than Nia Jax has ever been. Uh, anyway, but nobody's nobody's gonna break when Brie Bella lands on him. Here's the thing, though. Uh, Rhonda looked like an absolute murderer out here. Not only did she beat the crap out of Dana Brooke when a ref, ref tried to put hands on her to get her away, she just turned around and cold cocked the dude, open face slapped him and dropped him. Uh, she looked scary. I like her new heel character. Uh, it's working for me. I'm looking forward to seeing the dynamic between her and Charlotte and Becky at WrestleMania, which apparently now is just an open three-way match like she's like make it a handicap match i don't care i'll beat them both so yeah i i liked i also like the fact that this week no becky no charlotte on on raw this was just ronda being new ronda getting the fans 100 percent 100 percent against her and uh murdering someone and walking away i'm down i don't think that'll last very long though they've got to keep building this the last few uh weeks on monday night raw when charlotte and becky have been over there and or becky have been over there uh, it, it's been pretty good and and I gotta say I, I I liked them I liked the interaction between all of them and the the little beat downs and the little moments that we've had and so I hope they don't lose that I like that they gave it a week break but leading up to Mania don't not have them confront each other see conversely keep that going conversely I think they should keep them separated for the most part because I want to keep the physicality to WrestleMania if you put them in the room together you can't expect me to believe they're not going to be physical with each other. And we had um, Becky and Charlotte together on SmackDown, which is you know the brand that they're actually on this week. So I could see this being something where Ronda is made to look like a monster for the next few weeks. Becky and Charlotte are sniping at each other over on SmackDown. And then right before WrestleMania, we have a, a big old get-together or a contract signing or some nonsense like that where we get a little tease of the physicality. I mean, for example, this week, Ronda even you know was going to put the arm bar on Dana Brooke and then she did not and called out to someone in the crowd, yeah, why don't you pay your 60 bucks and you'll see an arm bar. I like, I like it. I like that. Makes her sound feel makes her feel like a mercenary. That's good stuff. Let's Love keep it. that up. Speaking of mercenaries, Batista. Batista showed back up on TV this week looking like some big Hollywood douchebag with like 12 security guys leading him into the ring to confront Triple H who was in the ring. And uh, this was... This segment, you're can, the animal. Why do you need security? Uh, well, he's the Hollywood animal now, Nick. Oh, okay. I like the callback to Blue Tista with his blue sunglasses, by the way, and his blue nose ring. <laughs> that was cute. Uh, pretty much this whole segment can be boiled down to two grown men screaming shrilly at each other and then making a no holds barred match at WrestleMania. That was pretty much the segment. There was a uh, there was a moment in well, we have to talk about. <laughs> the thing that we don't want to talk about, and that is the sheer amount of saliva that came out of <laughs> Batista's mouth. And funny enough, there was actually a sort of Freudian slip where somebody in the group, I won't call them out, 
slipped and misspelled it or typoed it where it said Baptista. And I'm never going to not be able to call him Baptista now on because he baptized the shit out of that microphone. And I'm just, I, it's Baptista from here on out, guys. He was emoting with his saliva, Nick. Can you give him a, this is a method actor thing. I mean, that's next level. I, I have to agree. I hate, that's that's, and, that's East and West London Theater Company level training. And let's be clear, better Baptista than Faptista. Oh, come so, on. So here's the, here's the thing is that they set up a no holds barred. No holds barred, Hogan. Excuse me. Uh, match it. It's going to be like it's like a Tourette's thing with me. Yeah. Uh, they set it up at WrestleMania. It's here's the thing. This was pretty much just, you know, dial it in, land the plane kind of thing. We all knew it was going to happen. I, I didn't take anything special away from this segment. I wasn't turned on by it or anything. It didn't it didn't really flip my switches. I didn't get electrified. Uh, Batista felt like a smarmy asshole heel. Triple H felt like a badass defending his property and his friends. Uh, they'll have, they'll probably have a, a decent, just you know, dirty match at WrestleMania, and and that'll be that. So somebody will blade. They'll get bloody, and it'll be no hold, no holds barred. No holds barred. You won't know, Hogan. You won't know where I'll be. <laughs> Steel cage, Hogan. Zeus is like an animal. <laughs> Sorry, that's one of the it's one of the greatest promos of all time. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go watch it. It's it's amazing. Please don't go watch that movie. Uh, oh God, not the please movie. Don't go, please. The the match that they had building up for the movie, where it was a, it was a Hogan against uh, it was Hogan and somebody I forget who it was versus Macho Man and, and Zeus in a cage and, and Zeus. And it was just the one part in the in the promo where where Macho slaps Zeus's chest. It's like he was asleep the whole time. He's just sitting there like staring, snarling, and Macho slaps his chest. And he's randomly just going. It's amazing. Sorry, I, that's that's how excited I was about this Triple H Batista segment. As I'm I'm busy living in the past instead. Uh, moving on, Braun Strowman got a present this week. Yay. Last week, he accosted Colin Jost and hoisted him up the wall when Colin Jost questioned if any of this was actually real. Brown was like, it's very real, dude. Let me attempt to kill you. So as a response, Colin Jost apparently sent Braun a nice little car. The Camaro, a new Camaro. It was a convertible. A convertible Camaro, apparently made out of plastic because Braun, in response to getting this, tore the damn thing apart, ripped the door off, smashed the windshield, tore off the, the front fender, the hood. The hood. Um, yeah. And then stalked off and said, I'll see him at Wrestle. I'll, I'll see you live from New York. It's WrestleMania or something like that. So, again, I, I think that there's going to be some business between Braun and the Saturday Night Live guys at WrestleMania. It'll be, it'll be another gimmick WrestleMania for Braun. Like last, last year it was a kid. This year it's the Saturday Night Live guys. Great. That's kind of what, what I'm feeling from this. Bungle, bungle, bungle. Also, does it make Braun look like more of an idiot that he couldn't even read the letter that Colin Joe sent him? No. He made the little servant boy do it, do his bidding for him. Read it to me. That, I don't know. It felt to me like he's like, I can't read. Why don't you read it to me? No, I didn't get that at all. Okay. I, I'm not, not dare going to say a bad thing about that man. Okay. I do not want my car ripped to pieces, nor do I want to be hoisted up a wall by my neck. Nick officially does not want to get those hands. Yes. Correct. Uh, well, Kurt, Kurt Angle had a match with Apollo Crews and Apollo Crews got those hands from Kurt Angle. Uh, that was how Kurt basically announced that he was going to have a farewell match at WrestleMania. They were in his hometown of Pittsburgh and, uh, he decided to have his last on-screen win 
Uh, that's what I'm calling it. His last, his last winning match was in TV his hometown. Match. Yeah, his last. Well, I don't think he's going to win at WrestleMania either. I don't think he's, unless he's facing Heath Slater. I don't think he's winning at WrestleMania. Kurt Hawkins. Yeah, he's going out on his back. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I think that he. I think this was like a nice send off for him. Um, it was. It, it didn't help Apollo Cruz's career any, but it did make him look like an, a competitor. You know, they shook hands and a nice little thing afterwards. But uh, yeah. The segment when Kurt Angle announced he was retiring. Here's an interesting one. We've been looking for something for John Cena to do. What if John Cena came out and had a match that was Kurt's final match to echo the debut Ruthless of aggression. John Cena? Yes, to John Cena's debut yeah. back in 2003. I like that. What if Cena's Angle is their match? I'm 100% down, and that will be just a, a very nice nostalgic moment. Yes. I'm totally down. I, I, I don't know when he said that this week, that was the immediate thought that popped immediately into my head was, yeah, that's perfect. And I'll tell you what, I will like the match. If it's, if it's Cena angle and Cena goes over, I'll like the match. If angle goes over, I'll like the match. If angle makes Cena tap out, I will absolutely utterly lose every last ounce of shit in my body. And that would be an amazing WrestleMania moment. Will never happen. It will never happen. <laughs> okay but i'm just saying we also had another tag match between alistair black and ricochet against chad gable and bobby Roode, and uh again uh again well they, i don't think they've ever had a straight up match well they have it was interrupted last time but uh yeah this is another another build between these three teams the the revival who are the current champs ricochet and black and uh and gable and Roode. so this is one i'm comfortable calling as you know, I'll say it's Nick official. We're going to have this triple threat for the raw tag championships at mania. It certainly it seems to be going just, that it way. Feels that way. Yeah. Do you think that ricochet and black will be facing for both the raw and SmackDown titles? Cause the way they're, no, it's a good question. The way they're booking them right now, they've looked like gods since they came up, you know, even in, even in losses, they haven't eaten the pin and they've looked strong afterwards. Um, and when we get to NXT later, you know, I've got some thoughts about how things are going in the dusty classic, which that tag team is also in. So there, there is definitely things to be said about that tag team. As the weeks go on, we've got to get rolling on our show here, so we won't take this time to do it. Uh, but there's definitely something afoot with black and ricochet. They're giving, they're given too much time. They're being booked too well. Something's got to happen here. Uh, and all I'll say right now is because I want to reiterate, I want to drive it home from last week. At some point, I feel like a good thing to do with them would be to have Alistair Black go heel, turn on Ricochet, and have the two of them feud over the summer. Because they would, you know they would have an absolutely amazing feud that would show off both of their skills on the main roster. And it would take Alistair Black more to, back to more like what his core should be, which is this spooky loner. Yep. So that's, that's my theory on it. That's why I don't like him in a tag team. I, I need him to be... and. Damn it. Watching NXT this week, they absolutely nailed, as a juxtaposition to what they've been doing on the main roster, absolutely nailed his entrance. Yeah. And he didn't even come up on the backboard. He just, just walked, walked up. up through through the smoke. He emerged. Yeah. And I just went, yes. Yeah, they screwed up his entrance anyway. on both Raw and SmackDown again. And, and I feel like I yep. bitch about this every week but because I am a stickler for presentation. Um, yeah. You know, we're going to continue to bitch because they listen and they need to fix the shit. They do. They they do. This is something that's it's so easy. It's 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 that's what's frustrating to me about it is it's an easy fix. It's a little yep. detail that goes a long way for his character. Again, if you haven't watched him in NXT, just going and watching his his as you said, kind of 
second tier style entrance in NXT. Like it's not his full entrance. It was just like an entrance, but the production of how they did it down there was so epic. It made him feel way more intimidating and scary and, and it made him jump through the screen a lot more. And NXT has a history of giving people fantastic entrances that end up getting butchered on the main roster. Nakamura, uh, Bobby Roode, Finn Balor. These are all guys who had just absolutely insane entrances in NXT. They go to the main roster and now they're watered down and not just because they're overexposed. They just, the production on them just gets flabby for lack of a yeah. better word. Anyway, again, we, this will probably be an ongoing bitch session, which is Alistair Black's entrance. Uh, finally on Raw, we had Elias come out for a couple of segments. Unsurprisingly, he ran down the crowd, got interrupted by No Way Jose, who let his conga line out. Elias tore his way through all of them, which was actually a lot of fun. Beat the crap out of all. I don't know, man. Was this an Elias face turn? Because I certainly cheered him. I can't keep track anymore. No, I was, I'm being uh, of facetious. What Elias is doing. It, do, it honestly doesn't matter. I'm being facetious. Nick, before we can get out of here on Raw, we have to talk about Nia Jax because I know it's your favorite subject. She had a match with Natalia. And not just Natalia, Natalia had help. Beth Phoenix is a, apparently officially back as a wrestler. The Divas of Doom are reuniting. We saw a tease of this on Fastlane, but it looks like it's happening because Beth Phoenix did get involved in the match at one point, causing the DQ. Nia Jax did pick up the win, but not the moral victory because at the end there was a big scuffle between Tamina and Nia and Beth and Natalia. And, this, and then Sasha and Bailey got involved. So I think like we're heading for at least a triple threat at Mania, if not more. So, Ian, since you mentioned my favorite person in the world, I yes. need to reveal uh, for a moment. We did mention it on our Fastlane recap earlier in the week, uh, but as of this week, we did surpass, met, we met and surpassed 20 patrons on Patreon. Yes. Yes. So we are now currently standing at 23. Oh, and you yes. guys have a new goal. If we can somehow get to 50, we can make Nick have a new yeah, ringtone. Yeah, you won't have but a ringtone, son. I wanted to announce that again here on our main show for people that might not have tuned in and heard it at the beginning of the Fastlane recap. But I did oh, receive a, a package look, this week. Look at you. What, what that you? I don't think is from you, Ian. It is not and from patrons, me. Patrons stay quiet because you've seen this already. There is an Amazon package I, that I have, came so, in this hold week. On. I, guys, I'm looking at Nick on my camera feed, and he's holding an Amazon package. I've never seen this before. I have no idea what's inside Ian, right now. Ian has, Ian has no idea about this, and that's how I know it's not from him. I saw you Somebody post that you had a package, sent, but I have not seen what's inside. Yes, and you have to do your best not to reveal it because when I show it to you, I'm going to show it to you, and I want you to just react. Right now. But You're going to show it right now? Yes, anybody that's signed up for Patreon, there is a special video over on Patreon just for you revealing what this is. So wait, right, I, Ian, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to show it to you. Don't say what it is. Oh, I can't say what it is. You can't say what it is. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. And um can I confirm that you did not send this to me? I did not send that to you. I actually really wish that I had. Because <laughs> that is going to have to be a featured aspect of your desk presentation uh, when we inevitably go live again, which I, God damn it, Nick, we got to get back up on. But yeah, um, it's, it's technical hurdles, guys. That's the only thing stopping know, us right but, now. But uh, that, that uh, thing that you just received has to be front and center 
when we go uh, so that everyone can see it so that for all the world to see your adoration uh that has to be an oh god now i, I can't i can't say what it is that's no, just, you can't say what it is because it's exclusive for the patrons that committed uh, that got us to there to for this to even be uh, a thing in the first place. Fair. Sorry, guys, if you want to know, fair. head over to patreon.com slash BWO. <laughs> sign up for one of those awesome tiers and you can get the reveal of uh, what Nick got in the mail. That's just me, but, but in, I love it. We are on the road to WrestleMania. We're on the road to building the Naya Shrine here over the next couple of weeks. But that's not all for this show. We've got to go talk about what else went down on SmackDown Live. Well, Kofi Mania is running wild over on SmackDown Live. We had the show, uh, all a lot of Kofi on this show. A lot of uh, both the Chowd, the ch- the crap, the Chowd, the Chowda. I like some Chowda. The crowd chanting for Kofi throughout the entire show, and at the end, we had a big segment where Vince McMahon revealed how Kofi can get himself to WrestleMania. Uh, this, of course, was set up by the fact that earlier on the show. We had a uh, a four way four way tag match, which uh, honestly I was really having a lot of fun with before this before this all went down. It was Ricochet and Aleister Black and the Hardy Boys taking on the Bar and Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura. So as you can imagine, it was just chaos. But right as the match was coming to its its peak, its pinnacle, out came the New Day and just wrecked house, kicked everyone out of the ring beat everybody up, and basically said, Vince McMahon, give us what we want. Give us what we want, Vince. We have a Is win. that what you want? Give us what we want. Is that what you want? With much less spittle. Uh, and essentially said, give us what we want. We want Kofi at WrestleMania. What do we got to do? And uh, this was fun, man. Uh, the, new day, the New Day going rogue. I liked it. The crowd liked it. I think we've somewhat been anticipating either a heel turn or some kind of separation breakup thing happening with the New Day. But with the rise of Kofi Mania, I simply don't see that happening now. You know, what I see is something that our very first episode, either our first or second episode, way back in the day, Nick, we had a bit where we talked about comedy in wrestling, yep. right? And how the kind of the, the classic thought is funny isn't money, right? And what we... What we came, the conclusion we came to was, in and of itself, just by itself, if you're just 100% purely a comedy wrestler, there's a ceiling. But if you can do comedy as well as be an actual intimidating wrestler who can go out there and work a match, in a lot of ways, that makes you even higher than someone who just does straight matches. Yep. You know, I, I think that, you, that it takes you to a higher place. Uh, whether that's Kurt Angle or Stone Cold Steve Austin, people who have had comedy aspects to their career. The Rock. Oh, my God. Absolutely The Rock. Might be the best example of that, John Cena. John Cena's a funny guy. But as long as at some point you can flip that switch and become someone who is intimidating and is believably able to kick ass... That's that is where the real money is. And that was the new day this week was them coming out and looking really intimidating. Like they could, you know, reminding everybody, yo, yo, we can kick ass. And, you know, not the show, not only kind of semi started, uh, started with Shane McMahon, but then the next segment was the New Day interrupting the tag match and kicking everyone's ass. But then the show ended with Vince McMahon coming out and talking about teachable lessons and saying that he's just trying to, you know, put Kofi in his place essentially. And Kofi coming out with the New Day, 
and and all of them going after Vince McMahon verbally and saying, you know, hey, this man has worked his ass off for you. We've all worked our asses off for you. We're kind of sick of being the dancing monkeys. We want to, we want to get ours now. Specifically, we want to get Kofi his. And Vince responded by saying, you know, I don't owe anybody anything. Nobody is owed anything. You just you get what you earn. And you know, the New Day had a good point. That's what we do. We earn for you. We go out to India when you want us to go to India. We we are one of the biggest merch sellers you've ever had. So, you know, the least you can do is when the crowd is obviously behind this guy is give him his due. And Vince came back and said, you know, it's kind of like what Daniel Bryan told me about him earlier. He's he's good, but he's a B plus player. Mm. What, what does that does that sound familiar, Nick? It does. It does. It does. I like how they put that in Daniel Bryan's mouth to say. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, so this all ended with Vince saying, fine, I'll give you your shot. I'll give you, by the way, to clarify, he said, if you want to get to WrestleMania, you got to do this. And he didn't say anything about the title match, which if we learn anything about Vince over the last few weeks, be careful what he says. It's careful what he doesn't say. Right. Careful how he phrases it. Yeah. Um, out came Randy Orton. Samoa Joe, The Bar, and Rowan. And Vince said, you want to go to WrestleMania? Next week, you got a gauntlet match. you got to go through all five of those guys. And then Damn. the show ended with all five of them coming down and uh, having a fight with New Day, which, by the way, New Day did actually end up standing tall for at the end of the show. So, again, establishing that New Day is a legitimate force, which yep. I thought was brilliant. You've made them I look legit. I thought this whole thing w- was fantastic. Agreed. I-, I absolutely loved every bit of it. It continues to promote Kofi, and and just the crowd is just going to continue to go ape shit for him all the way up until Mania. When yeah, I'm not completely sure he's actually going to get the match. I don't know if he's going to get the match. I think here that's the thing, man. I don't know if Kofi Mania ends at WrestleMania. This this feels like there's too much of a build here. Like it's happened so soon to WrestleMania, you can't pay it off as quickly. It's kind of where I'm at with it now. Like as much as I'd love to see Kofi get the belt at WrestleMania. I feel like there's more to this story. You could run this for a long time. Yeah, they just made that vegan belt. Like, are they gonna <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I know it was used out of it was made out of compostable and recyclable materials. All natural hemp. All natural. All natural hemp. and with Velcro, right? It's so natural, I, I just, natural I, Velcro made out of real yes. thistles. <laughs> with thorns. Thorns. Real thorns and thistles. Daniel Bryan like sticks it to himself with thorns. Yep. Anyway, it's a, it's a belt. That wasn't it's a, belt. a religious reference, I promise. No, it's a belt that Duffy Rhodes could never have worn because it's covered in thistles and thorns. <laughs> uh, so the question oh, is: boy. Next week, how does this how does this gauntlet match go down, man? Like again, if this is going to run to WrestleMania, how do, I mean? Does Kofi beat five of the biggest gnarliest dudes on SmackDown? Does the I New Day interfere? Does AJ interfere to at least take out Randy? And then the, the other guys in the U.S. title picture take out Samoa Joe. Who takes out the bar and Rowan then? Like, does, how does this go down so that Kofi gets put through all this? Get out of my head because I, I think there's finally a purpose behind AJ being so on Team Kofi the last few weeks, and I think we might see something there. Um, I, I absolutely think he will go through all of these guys. Otherwise, what's the point? And so if I'm playing that out in my head, there has to be some realistic interference or backup that gets him through all of it because sure. I'm sitting here going in my head, is there, are, what are the rules and stipulations around a gauntlet match? Is it straight up? Uh, is, are, are there DQs allowed? I believe there are no DQ. And if that's the, yeah. if that's the case, you know, they can be, people can be barred from ringside, but I believe there's no DQ. 
Um, so in before AJ Styles assistance. Well, and and Rey Mysterio with Samoa Joe or R Truth uh, with the bar. You know, maybe the Usos come out or somebody comes out to take them out or New Day takes them out. Uh, and then you got Kevin Owens coming out to take out Rowan. There's somebody for everyone that he's thrown in that gauntlet match. If everyone's like, we believe in Kofi, and they get behind him, you absolutely could have a, a big moment like that next week. And frankly, if that's how they've been building it, if you're correct about the AJ Styles thing, and that just is then writ large across all the SmackDown Live uh, locker room, that is, like, we love to bitch about when creative screws up. I'll give full props when they get things right. And that would absolutely be a long, a few weeks worth of payoff. That would absolutely be uh, a, a good feeling payoff. A well done. Now, a quick al- alternative, uh, devil's advocate. I'll play at you. I could totally see Vince McMahon having Kofi get all the way through the gauntlet match to the last breath, the last two count, and not being able to pull it off. Yep. Just to spite the WWE universe yes. and incite. I I I hope they don't do it in a big city because they might come over the rail. I, if if they if Kofi doesn't end up doing this, I could totally see him doing something where he can't pull it off just to prove that he's just that B player, and somehow still work him into it over the next few weeks. So I I'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I could certainly see either way uh, going through it, but I I expect Kofi to be in the WWE Championship match at Mania. I just don't know how yet. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think it's actually more likely than not that Kofi loses the gauntlet match next week at the last second uh, because that would just be so emotional uh, and such a great way to, to, to run this forward is he gets screwed again at the last second or he wins yeah. it and he realizes that his WrestleMania match is like he's the first guy entered in the Andre the Giant Battle Royale or something like right. that, you know. Um, by the way, I did just look it up. It does not say, at least on Wikipedia, whether or not gauntlet matches are no DQ. So that probably means that they can manipulate it based on what they feel the is better for the story. And if yeah. they think it's better for the story, then no DQ it is. So I do have to say, though, that all this Kofi stuff is working for me. I wasn't on board initially, but now I, I'm totally 100% behind I was it. nervous. I'm, I'm totally team Kofi mania Absolutely. at this point. They, well, I mean, he's so, you know, he's he real easy to get behind. Uh, and they're doing a fantastic job of building it. Yep. So I'm very curious what they do now with with Daniel Bryan and Ke- Kevin Owens, which was their initial plan. Like, how do they handle that? I'm very curious how that falls into place, where that ends up. If we end up having a five man ladder match for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania, or what it's going to be. But uh, no matter what, I'm, I'm keeping an eye peeled for Sami Zayn. Yeah, or the or the he, Monday he after is WrestleMania. waiting in the wings somewhere. To screw Kevin Owens now out of WrestleMania. It. To either screw Kevin or to show up and help Kevin win the championship. I'm not sure which, and I think it's kind of cool that they're keeping us waiting like this because they started running their video packages about the same time. Yes. Kevin's back. Well, where's Sammy? Sammy had more of a, uh, he had a longer recovery period. I could see him no sooner than WrestleMania, to be honest with you. If they pull him before WrestleMania, I think that's crazy. Um, unless they're planning on having him be in this ladder match, which would be fine. But I see him either screwing over Kevin Owens for the title at WrestleMania or showing up the Monday night after. Or the, yeah. sorry, Tuesday night after, I guess it would be. But anyway, um, speaking of Rowan and Daniel Bryan and the WWE title, they had a tag match against Mustafa Ali and Kevin Owens, which was just basically it was a tag match to get them all out there, establish that these guys all still have beef. And even though the, uh, Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali did lose when Rowan did his, what is it called, the Iron Claw? It's like the, craw, the claw slam. 
that he does. I don't know. Face palm. Face palmed like him that. and slammed him into the canvas. One, yeah. two, three. They did lose, but uh, I, I still say that it's, it feels like they've got momentum and. And Mustafa Ali is very beloved by the WWE universe, even though, as they called out on commentary, the WWE did not want it. The universe did not want him to be in that match on Sunday. They wanted Kofi instead. I like that they called that out and were like, yeah, although he did win the crowd over, which he did. They weren't giving us hyperbole for once. Yeah. So. Uh, Next up. Wait, wait, wait. Rowan shirt watch. Rowan shirt watch. Rowan shirt watch. Rowan shirt watch. Power Wolf. Huh. I have not heard of this uh, one. They're, they're, I do have to say I've been listening to the previous one from Fastlane endlessly all week. It's really good. Oh, uh, Elise Elise Nuve. I can't remember that. I don't know how. What to did you it. say? Elise Nuve. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Le- <laughs> <laughs> what did you call them? Elise Nuve. Elise Nuve. What is it actually called? That's. Oh my God. Hang on. I'll pull up Spotify here, and I can I can actually tell you what the name of it was. Elvati man. Elevate. Elevate. Yeah. Elevate. Elevate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No. Power. Power <laughs> Wolf is. Uh, power Wolf is power metal. Only they're all werewolves. That's supposedly. amazing. It is. I'm not a big power metal guy because it's it's just those kind of like dramatic vocals. We di- yeah. we digress. Like, sorry, sorry, people who are here for wrestling. We're going on, We're going to go off on a metal uh, tangent here real quick. I'm not big into like the kind of vocals, so that kind of turns. But their music's good. It's just they're not my they're not my favorite. But at the same time, it still shows Rowan's got good taste. That's yeah. you know, that's good taste in music. Anytime I think of power metal, I think of boss fights in video games. <laughs> that's, that's, that's better. What, it just makes me think I'm in a video game. That well, their music sounds like that. Then the vocals kick in. You kind of got to kind of go. Oh, I'm in an opera, I guess. <laughs> Werewolf opera. Uh, as we said, the show started off with Shane McMahon explaining why he turned heel, why he turned on Miz. Um, the best part about this segment was Shane making Greg Hamilton, the announcer, the ring announcer, uh, introduce him multiple times. And each time he'd like go attack Greg in the corner and grab him by the face and be like, now do it for real. Now do it with, say it with conviction. And Greg Hamilton deserves a damn Oscar for his, per, you know, like his performance here. Just like every time, like, like your boss is physically assaulting you and he's like, uh, doing this for the kids. Need the paycheck. Uh, uh, Shane McMahon. Yeah. That was great stuff. Um, and basically, Shane just saying, yeah, I, hated, I hate Miz and his stupid dad and his stupid dad's potato face. And uh, I'm sick of people <laughs> mooching off my power because I'm a McMahon. I'm sick of people trying to get things off of me. So this is my way of shrugging off all the leeches. And I'm going to enjoy beating up Miz at WrestleMania. That was, that was totally, the opening segment. Yeah. Totally fine with this. Uh, I, I would have rather it gone the way of... Uh, Miz and Daniel Bryan, but I like what they're doing there, and we'll probably still see Miz and Daniel Bryan down the road Absolutely. at some point. Yeah, they're, they're, but, uh, they both it, have years fine. left. They both have years left in their, uh, well, with Daniel Bryan, it's always a knockwood situation, but they both have a lot of time left. They're both young. That, that could be down the road. That could be something we get paid off way later, you know, uh, later on in both of their careers, and I wouldn't be mad this at it. This is fine. This is, this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. This is, this is as we have been saying, this is a very clean-cut storyline and it has been i like the progression on it i like the fact that we're now in a place where there feels like some genuine emotion in it when with the involvement of mrs dad and the way that everything played out shane's a great heel totally cool great yep that's fantastic also fantastic is the is the u.s title scene is still great finally it's still great 
We had like a, it's 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 relevant again. Well, and they've had how many different iterations of these four guys: uh, Rey Mysterio, R Truth, Andrade Cien Almas, and Samoa Joe. This week we had a tag as a tag match: Rey and R Truth against Andrade Cien Almas. You say the whole damn name. You say the whole damn name, and Samoa Joe. Um, every time, every time these guys are fun to watch. Every damn time. And while it while there can be an element of treading water to whatever's going on, they're putting out baller matches every single week. Yeah, I'm loving this, and I, and I hope that we get this four way fatal four way for the U.S. Championship at WrestleMania. And what I liked about this is they're also because there's four guys, they're having it so that different guys win every time. Different guys eat the pin. This time, um, Ray pinned uh, Samoa Joe. He pinned the champ, and then Samoa Joe beat up both R Truth and Andrade Cien Almas. So this was this is just like we're now getting all the different possibilities, all the different dynamics. Every guy by the time we get to WrestleMania is going to feel like they could legitimately win this match. Yep, sweet. I think you just give me a stipulation. We're off to the races. Yep, totally down. Um, AJ Styles and Randy Orton. They uh, they're having a feud. And oh, I liked this. This was a promo off. This was Randy Orton coming out to the ring and running his mouth about AJ Styles. AJ Styles coming out and responding, and then the two of them just facing off in the ring and exchanging barbs. And we have seen a lot of different iterations of this throughout the years in WWE. They started breaking kayfabe down a little bit. They started breaking the fourth wall, talking about AJ's career outside of WWE, talking about Randy Orton's dad. This was fantastic. This is the perfect balance between... Not too much of that breaking, not too much. Like both guys played their parts perfectly. Um, it, it, this wasn't awkward like Roman and Cena. You know what I mean? It wasn't too much like recently, like Triple H and Batista. This was perfect. Yep. I got chills at a couple points in this. When, uh, when, when AJ called the RKO a knockoff diamond cutter, chills. Chills. <laughs> I also, I mean, there's a bunch of lines I liked. I liked, um, uh, Randy saying, uh, you know, AJ, I was while you were down in Florida getting a tan with Dixie Carter, I was winning the, the WWE champion. I was becoming the youngest WWE champion. You know, where were you at? Um, when AJ stopped. $10 bingo halls. Yeah, when you're down in $10. Tall- oh, what was the other one? Um, it was right after uh, AJ Styles says a knockoff diamond cutter. And Randy goes, Are you telling me you indie guys never rip anything off? And he throws at the two sweet sign. Brilliant. Yikes. Um, I, I could really run down this entire back and forth because every line was money. AJ, who is who can be shaky on the mic, was money here. Randy, yep. who can be boring, was obviously invested. And when, when Randy's invested, he's great. And he was great that was, here. That's the key word right there. Both of these guys were invested in these promos. It was emotional and from the heart on both of their parts because yeah. they both genuinely meant everything that they were saying and the, the thing i liked about breaking of the fourth wall here is that it's legit like the history and the lore that they were telling you is real like they were that's yeah that's the element of it that made it so powerful but it's but they're taking and, what's real and twisting it into a storyline without twisting it so hard that it breaks yeah you know you want to see what us indie guys can do I, I like that the yeah. aj at one point said yeah you know they say that people are are you come ready-made for WWE, referring to Randy's size and physique and the fact that AJ's, you know, six foot and Randy's six five or whatever it is. He said, but you couldn't survive in my world. And he may, he does the, the, the Randy's corner pose. Like his whole point being you're corny, you're WWE corny. You've got to, you know, spit and 
claw and grind to get anything done on the indies. You couldn't survive there, Randy, because you don't have the work rate. You're just a gimmick. That kind of stuff was great. Fantastic. They, in one segment, took me from being curious but not invested in this match at WrestleMania to now being 100% in. And it, it, it ended with, you know... a. Uh, Randy saying, you say this is the house that you built. I've been here for decades longer than you have. And rents, I'm the landlord here and rents do, bitch. And AJ Styles being like, cool. Points to WrestleMania sign like, why don't we settle it? You want your rent? Come and get it. <laughs> Come get it. Cool. Bam. Done. I this, yes. I There's really nothing more to say about the segment other than these two guys just in a 7 to 10 minute segment sold me on their match at WrestleMania. I mean, I, I would already be sold based on their talents. I was curious, as I said. But they just took it compl- and made me now. I, I, now I want to see the next couple of weeks of TV. Have them come out and talk some more. Please. Ooh, let's hear them talk more, please. At first you had my curiosity. <laughs> now, now you have, you have my, my attention. attention. Exactly. And that's <laughs> what they did here. So good job to both yes. guys. That I love I love being able to say that segment was awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, ex- no, that's a great <laughs> I point. I love being able to because be Because like, when Randy came out by himself and he was just going to, he no. just had a mic, I was going, no. oh God, is it, are we back to a year ago again? Oh no. Nope. nope. But it was brilliant. Uh, I Five love star. It. I loved it. Unfortunately, we also had another bit that I wasn't quite as big on. Asuka had a match with Sonya Deville, which I always say should be a bigger deal because the two of them have such fantastic chemistry. And the first two thirds of this match was great. Um, but then the end ended up being a callback to Mandy Rose's match at Fastlane when because of Sonya Deville, she slipped on the ring apron. Well, Mandy messed with the ring apron and Sonya lost her footing and ended up tapping out to the Oscar lock. Uh, and Sonya and Mandy apparently are still on the rocks. I'm, I'm worried, Nick. I'm worried we're building to a triple threat. Sonya, Mandy, and Asuka at WrestleMania. And that, to me, does not, oh. does not feel like a WrestleMania match. No, they they could have had they started this had not wait had they not wasted time on the whole Naomi cheating angle with Mandy Rose they could have invested some time into this and made it mean something at WrestleMania. That's a really good point, actually, Nick. They, if they had spent their time building up Mandy Rose to be a beast as opposed to having her try to steal someone else's husband, we would actually be much more invested in this. As a, but as a result, we're sitting here going, really, Mandy. Is gonna fa- is like right now is in a program with Oscar. That's who you're gonna push, and and she doesn't feel legit. They have not done anything to make me feel like she is legitimate enough to be in a ring with Oscar. Sonya right. feels more legit because she actually feels like she can fight. Mandy's strong, but that's it. So, yeah, I'm I'm really worried about the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, we'll leave it at me that. Too. We've got a few weeks to go. Maybe there will be something. That, so maybe someone will come along and look at it. Uh, or listen to our show. <clears throat> I should sorry. Excuse me. Maybe they'll listen to us and be like, "You're right. They're they're right. We got to fix that women's division." Well, over they should have just listened to me from the beginning and just left Becky and Ronda alone and put Charlotte in that match. But uh, no, I digress. I'm glad they listened to me instead. Speaking of Becky uh, and Charlotte, as we said, they did have a little verbal spat uh, again, and uh, frankly, this wasn't this wasn't the best. The only thing that really kind of came out of this was Becky comes out on the crutch. Tosses it to the side, and even though she's limping a little bit, it looks like they're working her off of the crutch. Thank God, finally, uh, because that thing really was hampering her character, I feel, over the last few weeks, and it really, in a lot of ways, cooled her off. And I don't think that her presentation of the of her character right now is helping any either. Do you feel like, do you feel like how Becky Lynch is delivering her lines is helping or hurting her character? 
Just delivering her. Just I think her there's delivery. a lot of things that are hurting her character. Okay, right just now. in terms of her presentation, how she personally is presenting her character, not how they're booking her, just on things that are on Becky Lynch to fix. Um, it's okay. It's it's kind of treading water. It's flatlined a little bit. I'm I'm still okay with her on the mic. Um, it it's I, there's a whole other litany of things that I would I would never have suspended her. I think that was dumb. Or I would have had her come right back uh, and not made, not tried to transfer that over to Ronda, which is what they've actually done yep. without realizing it. They took all of that heat that they built up over months, and by having Ronda come in and be the one that demands that Becky gets back, it's all transferred over to Ronda. I think in a, in a way cool, it has. cooled Becky off. And it's because Ronda feels genuinely scary. And one of the reasons that Becky initially got this fire lit under her was that she looked scary. She looked intense. Yep. She looked driven. And right now, she just looks kind of lackadaisical and cocky. And that's not what's engaging about the man character is someone who's coming out there and going, yeah, I did this thing and they tried to hold me down. But instead, you know, I got back up and, and here I am. And Miss Charlotte's going to come out and try and talk down to me. But I'll just smirk at her and, and then she'll walk away and I'll be left in the ring and hold me arm up. That's not exciting. Uh, no. it's about as exciting as my Irish accent. We need defiance. We need active acts of defiance. She needs fire. And the, that's been yep. her. That's, and I'm, I'm, I know it's kind of being a pun and being silly, but I'm, I'm being serious. She needs fire and she doesn't have, she doesn't feel like she has that fire right now, that intensity. When they showed the promo video for the three of them, it was either on SmackDown or NXT this week. I forget what it was, but it was the first promo video for Rhonda, Charlotte, and Becky. And they had a juxtaposition where they showed footage of Rhonda, and they showed footage of Charlotte, they showed footage of Becky all entering this you know beautifully lit ring and coming you know facing the camera. And Rhonda did her like slapping herself and slapping her legs and jumping up and then getting into a fighting pose. Charlotte did her "I am the queen" arms out pose, and Becky Lynch just walked in with her arm raised. Becky felt like the least exciting of the three of them there. The intensity wasn't there. Rhonda was coming through the camera. She was in so intense. Becky has lost that intensity, and it's worrying me. It's worrying me as far as the perception of this match. Even her, her crowd reactions are starting to drift a little bit. Yep. I'm noticing that, I'm, too. I just want to point this out because you know, in, in before, things really start going south. I really, and I hope... You know, we always joke about them listening to the show. Dear God, someone go out there and stick a pin in her. Make her, make it, get her back on board. You know, get her fired up again. Yep. So, and I, I, I fault the McMahons, honestly, for, <laughs> for, for the, imagine that, right? Uh-huh. Well, for all of the things that you went off on a tangent about, about last week, for all of the, the ways that they've twisted this around and completely blown this, they've blown it. I, I'm not going to say it's completely blown yet. I, I will not say that, but it definitely was a lot more convoluted and twisted than it should have been getting here. It yep. was, it, and that nothing will, you know, it, it's, it's as anything with inertia, the more stuff, like if you've got an object in motion, the more times you smack it with something else, you're going to change its direction. You're going to change how much forward motion it has. And that's been the case here. It just threw too much of this. This was a, this was a rolling ball. And instead now it's just kind of trundling, trundling along. So hopefully this, they this could have very very easily been another corporate rock with the McMahons and and a and a stone it could cold have even, in, in pure defiance. It could have and just it could been, have been its own that thing. simple. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be that. It could have been its own thing. I'm I'm just comparing mm. something that would be similar to it, not trying to recreate it. Sure, like it it needs to be active acts of pure defiance 
that the crowd will support and get behind, uh, and they will constantly be at your back. You know, like New Day this week, frankly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, a couple other things on SmackDown. The Usos had a little backstage segment where they challenged everybody. They just called out a whole bunch of other tag teams on SmackDown. Specifically, they called out Ricochet and Aleister Black. They called out Nakamura and Rusev. They called out uh, The Bar. And they called out, they really called out the Hardys. They really made special note of them and said, you know, we'll take on anybody. Who wants us? So the question is, do they have a one-on-one match at WrestleMania? Will it be with the Hardys? Uh, Or will it be another tag team turmoil match where we have a whole bunch of guys in the ring? And if that's the case, uh, as we said before on Raw, Ricochet and Black, where do they fall? I'm going to guess maybe neither. What? Because I think that they're going to be busy the night before. No, takeover. that doesn't. Well, Alistair Black. I think there's. I, I think there's a sure. I think there's a possibility. Oh, no, he will be. He will. Well, if that's sorry, real quick, I'm gonna interrupt. You, you're talking about if they win the Dusty Tag Team Classic. No, I'm talking about we need to prepare ourselves for the possibility that Ricochet and Alistair Black won't be on WrestleMania because they have because they win the Dusty Classic and have the match at Takeover against War Raiders. Yes. Okay, that's sorry. Checking in. Possibility. I'm still on Team Forgotten Sons, but I'm. Oh Lord. I don't. I, the fact that they're still putting Ricochet and Alistair Black on both brands doesn't give me a lot of confidence in where they're actually going to end up. I don't think they're going to be on SmackDown Live. I think they're going to be on Raw, and I think they're going to be in the match with the Revival and Gable and Rude in some kind of tag triple threat with a stipulation. That definitely That's where my feels. Head's at. You know, I agree with you in the sense that that feels like they have more story over there. They feel like they're filling time on SmackDown, but they're actually in the title picture on Raw, and they've been on a pay-per-view for the Raw championship. So I would agree with that. They'll probably end up on on Raw. Um, I hope they do because they have more talent on SmackDown that could be in the tag scene there. So uh, something to watch for sure. Also in the tag division, the Iconics calling out Sasha and Bayley and saying, you've been to NXT, you're on Raw, you ain't come seen us on SmackDown. What, you scared? You scared of us two girls from Australia? Um, to me, this smacks of another tag team turmoil match. Sasha and Bailey defending against uh, Nia Tamina, the Divas of Doom, and the Iconics. I think we might even see an NXT team here. Yeah, I could see because that. Because they made it a point when they crowned Sasha and Bailey. For them to say, and it's been said multiple times, that they will defend them across all brands, including NXT. But who so I'm, from NXT? Because right, I have no idea. I mean, it's not going to be. It better not be Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah. No, uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. So, hear me out. <laughs> I'm thinking Shafir and Jessamyn Duke. Oh, I like That's it. That's what I'm thinking, and I'm thinking it as a bigger play for when Shayna walks out the night after WrestleMania, and we form the Four Horsewomen. I like of it. MMA. I like it. I like it very much. That is some fantasy booking. I could definitely get behind. Uh, realistically, I I definitely feel like the Iconics will be in that match for yes. sure. And that wraps it up for SmackDown. But hold on, everybody. We are a long way from done. We have tons more wrestling to talk about. But to do that. We need to start the wide world of wrestling. Well, speaking of NXT, we continued on with the next round of the Dusty Classic. Dusty Tag Team. The Dusty Tag Team Classic. Come on, man. Get it right. 
Yeah. Uh, we had Mustache Mountain facing off against my pick, Forgotten Sons. And the Suns pulled it off. They did. I, uh, they pulled it off off of Tyler uh, Bate and Trent Seven. Yeah, I they did, and without any. Well, okay, sure. Jackson Riker got involved. Yes, he did. Him over, but uh, listen, that's neither here nor there. That was a clean hit on the outside of the ring. Oh god, the action inside the ring. I have to say, we have traditionally been kind of down. Everybody knows what a Jackson Riker fanboy I am, but I've kind of been down on Blake and Cutler. They looked pretty damn good this week, I have to say. They did, and, and I did call this last week to happen. I, I I said that I felt like Mustache Mountain would give their cachet to Forgotten Sons uh, instead of uh, uh, instead of the Street Profits, and that did turn out to be the case, and I can't say it felt any better watching it actually happen. <laughs> but yes, okay. so the Forgotten Sons do advance. It was a fine match. Um, I, can't, I still can't say that I'm t- 100% sold on them. So we'll see. That being said, the only thing I will say to your, to your boy, Jackson Riker, is from a physical standpoint, he definitely looked like a man standing among a bunch of among a bunch of boys. I had forgotten just how tattooed that man was as well. Tattooed and good lord, he looks like a damn up. monster. Good lord, I love it. I want, I'm wondering about the uh, wellness policy down there at NXT. Every time I see him, uh, we also had another match for the Dusty Tag Team Classic. My boys, my picks, Ricochet and Black, facing off against DIY, the reformed DIY. And as predicted, Ricochet and Black pulling it off and beating DIY. Johnny Gargano injured his leg at one point uh, and was sitting because out Because Ricochet, Death Valley driver, Tommaso Ciampa on top of both... Oh, what a spot that was. Yeah, there was a bu- Oh, my goodness. There was a bunch of spots in this match. This match was <laughs> was as good as you'd expect it to be. I actually, it's funny. I, I thought it was really good. I didn't think it was head and shoulders the best match any of these guys had ever had. But it was, oh, no. it was fantastic. It was very entertaining, very exciting. But as we said at the end, Tommaso Ciampa eats a black mass and a 630 splash um, to to lose, to eat the pin. And uh, he after the, after the match... He helps Johnny limp up the ramp, and in a moment of uh, peak, if you will, he went to throw Johnny back against the boards again the way that he did last time he broke up DIY, and Johnny stopped it using his bad leg and said, "Uh uh-uh, not this time, son. I was ready for you. Revealed that he, he tossed Tommaso into the boards, revealed that he was faking the leg injury the whole time, and then beat down Tommaso Ciampa. Brilliant. Do you was this a satisfying? Because this is the conclusion. This is it. Tommaso's out. Was yeah. this a satisfying conclusion to the Johnny Gargano Tommaso Ciampa feud that we've had for a year and a half now? Injury aside, I would have liked to have gone to its pinnacle of Johnny Gargano beating Ciampa for the NXT Championship at Takeover. I would have liked to have seen that, that. was the original plan. As, was it wasn't going to end yeah. here? This goes forward to Gargano versus Ciampa at at Takeover. And I know this was now. Yeah, now it seems like they've got to hustle, throw some kind of contendership tournament together, or some kind of four way for the NXT title yeah. at Takeover. That's what we speculated. It'd be interesting to see what they do when we got the information about Ciampa getting the surgery before Takeover. That's what we said was they're going to have to have some sort of multi man uh, contenders match. For who's gonna, you know, if if he vacates it or how they do it, if he vacates it, um, then you know, have it be Gargano versus whoever wins the multi man match. Uh, I've speculated Adam Cole because he's the only one who seems like he would be in that, like at that level 
uh, and and ready for it. If Gargano does go up to the main roster, obviously Gargano shouldn't hold it. So you have to think about the guy who's facing Gargano as being someone who believe who doesn't have a storyline right now, and Cole doesn't have a storyline, but he's also a big enough deal on NXT where he could believably hold it. So uh, to me, he seems like the logical choice to face Gargano at Takeover. Yeah, I could get behind that. I, I'd still put it on Gargano as a, even if just to thank you for a few months. Yeah, you know, let let's get to Brooklyn or something in the summer, whatever the next takeover or, is going to be, or as the payoff, or as the payoff for yeah. for the Champa feud is that he took Champa out and then he gets to be the, the NXT champion. Sure, I don't know. Well, they just name him champion. No, he has to sense? he has to earn it still. But it's again, this is to me it it feels unfinished. I wish that we had had the actual finish finish and this. Johnny just figuring Tommaso Ciampa out and then going off on his own and winning the, winning the title. It's fine. And obviously injury, can't do anything about it. But I, yeah, it, at least we got this. And it was a nice I mostly moment. just hope Ciampa's okay, to be you honest You know what? Amen, brother. Amen. That son of a bitch! Oh, bastard! Get well soon. Get well soon, buddy. One last time. Uh, we also, uh, real quick, man, Ricochet and Black versus Forgotten Sons. How you like that as a final for the Dusty Classic? Uh, I, I like the way my odds are stacking up on my pick. Really? To me, it, it's, yep. to me, it seems really mismatched. Like I, I feel like if if Forgotten Sons win, it will be a massive upset, and it will look bad for Ricochet and Black. And if they win, it's going to feel like, well, yeah, it's the Forgotten Sons. So either way, I'm not. I got to say, not a hundred percent on that uh, I final. Think- well, I think the better way to have booked it would have been to have DIY go over Ricochet and Black and have DIY eat the Forgotten Sons loss it's to then lead to the breakup of DIY, letting the Forgotten Sons go on and nobody gets really hurt by it. Yep. This puts us in the position you, you just described, and I agree with you. It, but, I mean, they're, they're on Raw and SmackDown. There's yep. nobody going to be bothered with one match that they lose yeah, in some random tournament. They're winning that match and going on to take over. I'm calling it now. Uh, uh, no, they're not. Yes. Uh, should we? Do, do we want to? Let's get some value on this. Let's get some value on. You want to put some value on this? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll get, some, get some. Let me think about that. I'll get yeah, back I, to you. Yeah. Before, exactly. Because we got that's four what, weeks. That's what I thought. That's no. You got two weeks until we get the finals. Oh, that's right. You, know, that's you got right. two weeks. So next week, you got to come back to me. You let me know what you're willing to put on your boys' forgotten sons. I'll let you know. All right. How, how, how much? How deep does your Jackson Riker love go? Or is how it just about, talk? Uh, I get to hold one piece of Naya sw- swag that does not go on the wall ransom. And I, if you win, I have to put it up. If and I get to choose. What, this is not about Nia down. Jax. This has nothing to do with Nia Jax. This, no, is, this, about is, something the else. this is something else. No, this, we, we, no, not everything's about the shrine. I know you're obsessed with Nia Jax. Not everything is about Nia Jax, Nick. Calm down. Uh, NXT. We're on NXT. Bianca Belair versus Io Shirai, the number one contenders match for the women's championship. Uh, this started off as a good match at a certain point, though. Shayna Baszler was on commentary. She ran over, interfered, took out both of them. And then was attacked by Kyrie Sane, who was trying to protect her buddy Io Shirai. She put Kyrie Sane to sleep. Io Shirai came back to life. She put Io Shirai to sleep. She put everybody to sleep and then walked away and was told by William Regal that due to her actions, she was facing all three women at TakeOver. Fatal, Fatal four way. Woo! I am so down with that. Oh, for many reasons. Bring it. For many reasons. Bring it. Uh, it would. I've, to me, I've always felt like if she lost clean to Shirai, 
it would be too many Joshi wrestlers coming in and beating Shayna Baszler. Um, I feel like this is much more elegant where someone else can eat the pin and, uh, and Shayna doesn't have to lose by being pinned. She can then, you know, drop the belt. And as we've been saying, come up to the main roster to join Rhonda and the four horsewomen. Um, so this, I, to this to me is, very, and also this is going to be a crazy, awesome match oh, yeah. all, with all four of these women. Oh, come on. Gonna be flying all over the damn place. My question is, does, do, does this mean that Sane and Shirai will team up or will they fight each other? That's really the dynamic. That's the dynamic I'm worried about. But uh, I, who do you think's walking out of here with this title, though? I think just, my money's on Shirai right my, now. I think due to attrition, I think Sane and Shirai cancel each other out, and Bianca Belair picks it up. Oh, to be honest with you, I, I, I think okay. I think Belair, it's Belair's time. But uh, I love I love this. I love what they're doing here. I'm I'm a big fan of all four women. I'm a huge fan of Shayna Baszler. Like, let me just call a spade a spade. If y'all don't know about Shayna <laughs> Baszler. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. We all don't know about Shayna Baszler. She is absolutely amazing on many levels. Not just how much she's grown since she's come to NXT and and gotten her character better, but just not only as a human being, but uh, the skills that woman has are incredible. First of all, when she was first training for wrestling, she didn't even do it in person. You had Josh Barnett send her over a primer, and she was she was learning it from the other side of the country based on what he was teaching her to watch and then go work on in the gym. Um, she also shreds. I want her to come out shredding on a guitar. You've never seen her play guitar. She shreds on a guitar. She does magic tricks. Like she has really good magic tricks. Genuinely good. Ma- I, lo- crazy. I love magic. Yeah. Shayna Baszler, man. A big fan. Anyway. And I also think she's doing great work in NXT. Fantastic. And, and also, by the way, Shayna Baszler shirt watch. Shayna. Ba- we always do it for Rowan. Shayna Baszler. Bolt thrower. She was wearing a what? bolt thrower shirt, dude. Bolt thrower. I totally missed that. You did. I'm a big fan of bolt thrower. I love. I love that kind of death metal. That's like, uh, oh, like carcass obituary. Hell yes. Yeah. Hell yes, Hell yes, son. Bolt thrower. Good stuff. I mean, that's man. I. I was funny. I actually went on a big bolt thrower kick uh, a couple of years ago. In uh, what was it? 2016. Their drummer died. Um, and then, then they, they broke up shortly after and said, we're not going to do any more because our drummer's dead. Uh, what was his name? Kitty something. But um, yeah, no, I, and, and it was scary because he was the same age I was. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. He's, what have I done with my life? He was playing drums and bolt thrower in the early 90s. I was in high school. Crazy. Right. Anyway, I, <laughs> once again, another metal digression. Sorry. Sorry. Dijak versus Lee next week. Also on oh. NXT. Keep your eyes open for no, that. No DQ, right? Uh, I don't know if they said no DQ. I, well, I, heard, I don't want any countouts this time, please. That's a good point. I wonder. How, I wonder how they will make this match so that they have to continue a takeover. So I have a feeling that they're building to that, or at least testing the crowd to see if that's a viable option. Please let them go a little bit longer than they did last time, and then let them go all out of takeover. Give them, yes. give them fifteen twenty minutes, and let them just pull out the stops. Take the leashes off, and they will put on a baller ass match. We've seen them, them do it before. Unleash them! Yes. Moving over to two hundred five live, we are still doing the number one contenders tournament. We're in the semis. We had Cedric Alexander versus Oni Lorkin, Tony Nese versus Drew Gulak. Couple of surprises here. Uh, Cedric Alexander did take out Oni Lorkin, which makes me question. Told you. Makes me question why he was even in the tournament. And then Tony Nese defeated. His former mentor, Drew Gulak, Uh-oh. Tony Nice on a on a resurgence. They're they're doing a lot of work with his character, 
where he's now looking like more and more of a threat. You know who his other mentor and buddy was? Buddy Murphy. There might be a big story there, and and Tony Nese might be headed towards a title match, the way this is looking right now. So that's a... So we've got Cedric versus Nice yeah. before takeover. Which, if you remember last time, Cedric beat Nice to originally get the match that won him the title in the first place. So this is some right. This is some serious history they're working on here in 205 Live. Uh, yeah. Also, Mike Bennett uh, Canellis has been bitching at uh, at DM the GM at uh, Drake Maverick about getting opportunities, and he was pissed that last week he got a jobber. So Drake Maverick said, "Fine." Next week, you're getting a, a big cruiserweight, a name that I will not mention. He said that, not me. Uh, but apparently, he's getting a big-name cruiserweight next week. If he loses, he's out. He's done. He's gone. Fired. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're gone. So I'm curious about this for two reasons. One, who's this cruiserweight? And two, it, you know, we just got done with these Mike Bennett, uh, Canellis rumors about him leaving the company. So are they playing into that? Or... Is he legit? Like, are they really leaving? Is he really out? And this is their way of just get it, writing him off the show. Yeah. So, hmm, something there. Also, uh, Arya Davari's wandering around bitching about how he's going to come back and kick people's butts. So that's two o five live right now. Um, Nick, I, I got to talk about New Japan. Let's talk yes. New Japan. We are in the middle of I'm the. Glad we finally got here. I've been looking forward to this all yes, week. Yes, the New Japan Cup is underway. Uh, it is fantastic so far. We've been. We've had a couple of. Absolutely outstanding matches. A couple of duds, but overall, it's been very entertaining. Uh, I want to run it down real quick for those of you who have not been keeping up on it. We are on our. We are in the middle of the uh, the quarters right now, heading into the semis. We have uh, the A block. So, 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 quick recap. This is just a single elimination version of the G one tournament. Yeah, G one is round. That happens next. G one is round robin that starts later on in uh, in July and August. This is the single elimination tournament, typical tournament yep. rules. So you have the A block where Tomohiro Ishii defeated Nagata, which is great. They've had a long feud. Taichi defeated Hanma. Yoshihashi beat Nakanishi, which is a great, you know, Nakanishi is a, a legend. So this was a big one for Yoshihashi who hasn't, he's had a rough time since coming back from falling on the ramp and Titus O'Neiling himself. <laughs> Chase Owens beat Juice Robinson. What? Chase already has shirts made up calling himself the bracket buster, Chase Owens. Um, so yeah, he beat, he beat the U S champ juice Robinson. That means he's going to have a title match somewhere down the line. Uh, Okada defeated Elgin in a really good, good. really fantastic match. They, I, Elgin, Hey, say what you will, but the dude can wrestle and he's, he's shown he couldn't have matches with Okada before. So this was a good one. Mikey Nichols, AKA, uh, he used to be in, he used to be in WWE Shane Thorne. Uh, he is now in, he's now in new Japan. He's a member of chaos. And he is he uh, had a terrible match against Hikuleo, who uh, is really green. I don't think he should have been in this tournament at all. But no, not not a problem with Mikey. It was definitely Hikuleo. Will Osprey had a match with Bad Luck Fale. It was a match, and Lance Archer had a decent match against Toa Hanare, which he which he won. Uh, B Block Tanahashi defeated Umino. No surprise there. Of Taguchi, course. who got put in at the last second for uh, David Finley, beat it, defeated Tenzan. Uh, Ibushi had a Fucking baller with Naito. Good uh, lord! If you watch no other match, that's the one from the first <laughs> yeah. this weekend. For the from the go first back round to last week, yeah, from the first round, go back and watch it, the Ibushi Naito yeah. match. It 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 was probably my match of the week. Yeah, although week. Zack Saber Junior. beating Evil was a great one too. Uh, yeah. Colt Cabana defeated Togi Makabe. Boom boom! 
Colt, Colt Cabana just beat a, a former champ. Good job, Colt. Uh, Toriano beat Davy Boy Smith because it's Toriano. Oh. That's what he does is, yep. is break brackets. Minoru Suzuki beat Kojima and Sonata beat Goto. That was the that was your whole first round. So we're underway in the second round right now. Uh, we've already got a, we've got the entire A block done for the second ra- second round as of the recording of this show. Tomohiro Ishii moves on beating Taichi. Yoshihashi moves on beating bracket buster Chase Owens, who just had his bracket busted. Which means that we're going to be seeing Ishii versus Yoshihashi on the twentieth. Uh, which I'm I, Ishii, I'm calling to go all the way. I really am. Uh, Osprey beat Archer. That's the match of the second round so far, by the way. Osprey Archer was an absolute fantastic match. Uh, and Okada beat uh, Mikey Nichols in a decent match, made Mikey look a little bit better. But uh, by the way, Okada, interesting note from a storyline perspective, Okada, to get through this, he has to beat every member of Chaos, virtu- virtually every member of Chaos. And Chaos has been kind of rocky ever since Jay White left to go join Bullet Club. And people have been questioning Okada's leadership. So he's either going to get eaten by his own uh, his own guys here, or he's going to have to beat them all down to get them back in line. So it's an interesting story. I'm wondering there. if this is a redemption resurgence of Okada angle that they're pulling here, making him go through the gauntlet of all of the Chaos members. Well, Do you think there's any possibility of that? Well, I'll put it this way. is you've got, You're going to... Ha- yeah, it could be a redemption angle, or it could be he has further to fall, and he's going to have to have his faction turn on him and then go solo. Um, so interesting because there's right now they're having kind of a, a crossover with Sekigun, and whether yeah. or not they they all work out together, or if Okada screws this up, it's it's an interesting angle, and I like that they're that's one of the major angles in the uh, in the tournament so far. So that means the next match is Osprey versus Okada for the semis. As far as A block. So we got Ishii versus Yoshihashi, Osprey versus Okada. Uh, it's looking good in A block. Dear Lord. B block, we got the quarterfinals coming up. Uh, Tanahashi versus Taguchi, Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr., Colt, Colt <laughs> Cabana versus Toru Yano in, in, oh, that'll be in the comedy match of the tournament, and oh, uh, Minoru Suzuki versus Sonata, which should be. How a- many turnbuckles will Toru Yano get taken off? All, all five. He'll find a fifth one, he just will. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, right now I'm still sticking with my Ishii Ibushi in the finals. I'm I'm sticking with that. I think Ibushi gets his redemption off against Tanahashi here. Yep. Goes on in the finals. So I, I Ibushi's my I think I, I said this a couple weeks ago. I think Ibushi's my pick to win the whole thing. Yeah, I think that would mean that Ibushi gets a shot at Jay White, which would make sense because he was the first guy jumping in the ring when Jay White and Osprey well, Jay White beat Osprey and was beating him down. Ibushi was the first guy in the ring. So that would actually make sense. And the only reason I'm saying Ishii is because he's the guy who's beaten every champ for the last couple of years and has never gotten a title shot. So it's about yeah. time for him. So that's that's where we're at in New Japan. It's good stuff. It is continuing. We will keep you apprised of what's going on. Uh, so far, definitely check out Ibushi and Naito and uh, Osprey and Archer. Both of those are so far the matches of the tournament. But there's yes. plenty, plenty more to go. Well, Ian, before we get out of here, as always, we have to do our listener questions from our patrons. Yes. Guys, thank you very much for uh, for submitting your questions today. We're looking forward to getting through those. If you guys want to get involved, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for that $5 or higher tier, and every week you can get your questions into the show uh, for us to answer live right here on air. First up, we've got Andy Jessup. Uh, are singles matches dead, Ian? <laughs> 
Is the WWE's obsession with protecting the top talent by making multi-man matches so someone can eat the pin to protect the top stars? For example, Kane at last year's Rumble, Charlotte at this year's Mania, ruining the overall product. It's interesting because I don't think it's as cut and dry as that. I don't think that it's, you know, if you have a multi-man match, it's automatically to protect somebody. Um, for instance, on, you know, we're, we're seeing that U.S. title being a multi-man match and it's completely even. Anyone could win and it wouldn't really hurt anybody else, at least the way that they're building it. So yeah. on, on one hand, I, I, I think that too many multi-person matches is too much. But on the other hand, I think that they can be, be very fun and entertaining matches. Um, again, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them was a ladders match. I think it should, one of them should be a ladders match this year at Mania because those are always fun and they're a way f- to protect everybody. Someone gets that, you know, climbs the top of the ladder. doesn't mean anyone got pinned. So right. in, in some ways, there's, there's more than just the this, this simple aspect of let's protect so-and-so by having so-and-so eat the pin. There's sometimes, as, as he's saying, which is, which is completely accurate, that it's too glaringly obvious that someone is there to eat the pin. Mustafa Ali, for example, in the, in the Kevin Owens-Daniel Bryan match this last week was very obviously that. You know, he, 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 they didn't want to have Kevin Owens get pinned. They couldn't take the title off Daniel Bryan, Mustafa Ali. So that sometimes it's unfortunate, but necessary for the overall story. As far yeah. as singles matches being dead, it's one of the reasons why I started off the show kind of saying that, Nick, is you know, you've, you, you've been saying you're not a fan of the multi-man matches, or the triple threats or whatnot, but we do have a pretty good number of singles matches already planned and a couple that are being rumored. You know, you got Shane and Miz, Triple H and Batista, Kurt Angle's going to have a one-on-one. AJ versus Randy, Seth versus Brock. Uh, the, the IC title looks like it might be a one-on-one. Uh, or maybe it's a handicap and it's, it's Finn versus, versus both Leo and Lashley. But yeah, I, the demon takes them both out? Sure, that would be good. That would be fun. Um, and then Roman and McIntyre, maybe. Braun Strowman might be going one-on-one with Colin Jost. I think what I've said in the past is I don't like my title matches. That was a joke. Especially, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't like my title matches being multi-man matches specifically the top of the card titles. Um, I can totally get behind tag teams and like the U S title having crazy groups and stipulations and all of these other things going around it. Um, but I, I want my universal WWE women's match, all of that, even though the ladder match at TLC for the women's SmackDown women's was really good. I, I still would prefer it's a preference. It's a personal preference. I'd prefer them to be straight up matches one-on-one it's it's interesting because last week I, I said something to the effect of these days in wwe the belts are just props to add value to a feud or to a character and they're not yeah. really held as prestigious as they would be in an actual sporting event uh as as a example of a person's skill or anything like that um and if you look at a lot of the singles matches so far booked at wrestlemania most of them are not for a title Right. Uh, in fact, only one of them is for a title, and that's Seth versus Brock. So they're finding ways to make the singles matches mean something without the title. And in, and in some ways, I kind of understand why they do that. Like We're having this match not for a prize. We're having it for moral reasons or because we want to see someone win. So you know, the reasons why they have singles matches now seem to maybe have shifted a little bit. It might just be my perception, but yeah. that's there. Andy, great question. Thank you very much. Will James is in next with a follow-up to Andy's. To bounce off Andy's question, do you think these huge matches 
are just to protect stars, or is it some of it sacrificing quality for quantity to keep guys from other promotions? Now, I will say one of the things I wanted to add from before, we were pretty hard on WWE, you know, in a smug kind of way about, you know, using group multi women tag matches to get all of the women on TV at one time. We've we've been on records, you know, making that kind of snide comment from time to time. I can certainly see there's an element of that at play at times. Um, but again, I don't know that it's a quantity type of thing that they feel like they have to shove everybody out there. The, the WWE has definitely changed Ian, to, to kind of what you were just saying. It, it's a different world where we're having all of these. It's not just one-on-ones anymore. Well, and I don't think that necessarily just by putting someone on in a match or on TV that you're, quote, protecting them from leaving. If someone's going to leave, they're going to leave. You know, and, yeah. and uh, I've got a note about this in the in the um, in the you know other news and notes segment about Gallows and Anderson. You know, if people want to leave, they're going to go, and it doesn't matter. You know, if you put them in meaningless matches, that's not going to change their perception just because they get a, a little bit of extra love here and there. You know, if the rumors are true about the revival uh, saying we're we're out of here unless you you know give us a push, and them getting the tag titles, that's I think more the exception to the rule. So I don't think that it's they're putting them in these matches as a way to protect themselves or protect their investments, but I do think it is a way to have all the people, all the fans of these people, satisfied, right? Yeah. Like if someone's someone's a big big fan of Jinder Mahal, God help that person first of all. But if you're a big fan of Jinder Mahal and he's not on a show, you're going to be disappointed. If he's not the biggest show of the year, you're really going to be disappointed. So it's a way to kind of satiate that aspect of the fandom. Um, and also, let's face it, like, you know, whether or not it's to keep them from going, it's a way to satiate the wrestlers as well. It may not be something that drives them out of the company, but it can make them unhappy. It can be bad for morale if WrestleMania comes along and you're not on the card. So, you know, I, I remember uh, Becky Lynch in the match with uh, uh, a couple of years ago in Florida where it was the big multi-woman match, the SmackDown match, and uh, Naomi ended up winning the uh, the championship. And Becky Lynch was talking about how she was in the match for like, you know, 45 seconds. And uh, but at least she got the entrance. You know, and it's it is a little way. And it's kind of it's kind of paying Peter to pay Paul, I guess. Yeah. But uh, thank you, Will, for the uh, for the question. I don't even know if I answered uh, this question well, but <laughs> yeah, the. We're not really sure what the hell's going on with all these multi-person matches. Yeah, either. I don't. Uh, well, it's kind of a this? new paradigm. How about this? It's not to keep them from going to other promotions, right? Yeah, uh, it's not. It's I not, and that. it's not to protect. It's not just to protect stars. It depends on the match. Yeah. How's that? Thanks, guys. Uh, next up, we had Rule Sheeran's. Uh, he said, yeah, "In rule. my opinion, <laughs> you rule, rule." Oh, stop it! Come on. Why are you going to make an issue of everyone's name, Nick? Because that's what I do. That's true. In my opinion, almost everything WWE does feels rushed at the moment. Stuff that basically writes itself, like Triple H and Batista, the introduction of the NXT stars, Becky versus Ronda, the whole tag team situation, Owens turning face while being with his family. It all feels like it has to be pushed down our throats as fast as possible so they can hit us up with the next thing. Storylines that could be great basically become mediocre, uninteresting, or just plain stupid. To me, it feels like Vince is getting insecure in his old days. He's trying to force as much as possible before he eventually has to quit, and I think he is 
frantically trying to keep control while he knows that time is catching up to him. What do you guys think? That's a really good question, Rule. Really well positioned. Let me uh, let me break go the, for it let in. me break us down. Break it down. Um one thing, first of all, Vince is never gonna quit. He's gonna die. He's never gonna quit. Let's just get that out of the way right now. Do I feel like he is rushing things because he feels he has to get as much in as possible before the end? No, absolutely not. I think that anytime they're rushing something, it's because they have to get to an immediate endpoint. They do not think long-term enough, and I'm saying they because it's not just Vince, it's his whole creative team. They don't think long-term enough for this to be an issue with them saying we have to pack all this in by 2022. This is, this is them saying, we have to have Kevin. Okay, Kevin's ready to go. All right, we need to establish he's a good guy and get him into a program with Daniel Bryan now so, we have to, so that we can get this going by WrestleMania. We have to ha- Two months later. Yeah, well, you know what I mean? Like they, We have to get this program going. We have to get it underway. Triple H and Batista. Uh, Triple H is healed. We're able to do this. Okay, let's go. We're off to the races. We've got to get this going. Um, frankly, and frankly, some of the things he called out as being rushed, I actually felt didn't, they weren't that bad. Uh, Triple H and Batista, I felt like we went from I'm calling you out on the show to we have a match at WrestleMania. I thought that went pretty quickly, but they have also been building this for a while. A lot of times they just don't want to pull the trigger on something because they're not sure if it's going to happen or not. Will Batista be able to get the time off to come to the WrestleMania? Will Triple H be healed? Like, oh, There's a lot of factors that they have to look at besides just we want to book things this way and have it happen. Becky versus Ronda wasn't rushed. They just threw too much crap into it. They actually tried to put too much in it where they could have slow played it. They could have just not thrown that stuff into it and it wouldn't have felt so scattershot. So, but it wasn't rushed. They had plenty of time. Um, right now, look at the, probably the one that they've taken their time and been the most even paced with was Miz and Shane. That has felt like it has been the most evenly booked across the entire runtime. And there was a good chunks of it where Nick was saying that he was bored out of his mind. And frankly, yeah. I, I doubt you were the only person. I, I, I think probably there's a lot of people that were like, can Miz and Shane just get going already? So it, it is something that is going to be different for different people. I personally like to have long builds myself. I thought Ciampa and Gargano was one of the best paced uh, feuds I've ever seen because they let it play out at, at the right time. Everything happened at the right time. They didn't rush anything except for the finish because they had to because their hand was forced so no i don't think that it's something where vince is forcing it because of of overall time constraints on his life or his time at wwe i think they're looking forward to the next big moment the big pay-per-view the next big payoff for a storyline and saying we have to set these things up in time for that but we're also working against uh real life constraints which is whether it's injuries, timing, schedules, not knowing that they want to do it until the last minute. There's a lot of times we'll see stuff get hot-shotted, cough, cough, fast lane, cough, cough, and then they'll have to push things together. They'll just announce something on, on Facebook and have people tweet at each other for a day, and that's the build to a storyline. Yep. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's actually the chaos of how things are written at WWE that causes the speed at which we're seeing some of these things built. And it has nothing to do with Vince at all. Because sometimes Vince is, you know, he's just the guy that says yes to something at the end. He'll screw it up in the middle and everyone has to scramble to make it right at the end. And that's why it will feel rushed. So there's a lot of factors is long story yeah. short. I agree with all of that. No need to kind of, <laughs> no need to repeat all of the things that you said. But all the, right. The one thing I vehemently agree with is that they're very, I don't want to say narrow-minded, but short-term-minded. 
uh, in the sense of the next storyline is is that what they're trying to get to. Guys, there's times they're still writing Raw. We've heard recently as as Raw they were on. writing Raw in as Raw was going on air. Yeah. Uh, they, they're most of the time they're finalizing stuff the day of Raw. If it feels rushed, it's because it is rushed. Yeah, they're they're rushing to finish it. Sometimes, agreed. Uh, thank you again, Rule. Great question, uh, Eric. Last and certainly not least, Eric Elledge with Fox pushing. I think this is a really good question, by the way. With Fox pushing for edgier programming when SmackDown moves in October, do we see the groundwork starting to be laid for revamped storylines after WrestleMania season is over? You've said every question is good, but they are, so that's okay. They are all uh, good. Yeah, maybe. Because here's the thing. What Fox is actually asking for is still a matter of speculation. And, you know, whether it's edgier programming, whether that kind of wording was used specifically to describe what they want from, from WWE, uh, that is certainly an evocative word, but how they actually worded what they want is, it, I think, will determine what ultimately they get. And we don't know specifically what they have asked for from WWE. We've heard they want more sports-based programming so that it becomes less sports entertainment and more actual like competition. Um, I know that words like edgier have been thrown around. It's Fox. They're not afraid of controversy. Um, so if the network has the WWE's back, then WWE might be feeling might feel more bold and able to stretch their wings a little bit from just being straight PG. So yeah, it is absolutely possible that we could be seeing things being laid right now for that, but we won't know until we get closer to October, I don't think. And I frankly don't think we'll see any major shifts until at least the summer, probably late summer. So and 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 looking at anything now. And seeing it through the lens of what Fox wants, I think is a little premature because there's just really no way to know. I think we could see some things like more prominent sporting figures, such as a Ronda Rousey, uh, such as Shayna Baszler and former and Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke forming the Four Horsewomen. I think that's a great example of bringing up mainstream figures and uh, inserting them into the WWE to try and do that. God, Chris Cyborg I, is keeps on agitating to be in the WWE and I'm like, please just keep her away. No, Chris Cyborg. So I, I could totally see that being something that Fox would kind of try to influence uh, going forward. That would be my only thing I would show in show up in there. But frankly, they've been talking about doing that for what, two years now. Well, Fox feels like Fox has the pocketbook and they might have the access. So I'm very curious to see what they do. Conor McGregor to the WWE. Oh, no, he's enough drama as he is in real life. Yeah, that's what they want. Guys, thank you very much for the questions today. Uh, We will be back with more next week. If you want to get your questions in for next week's show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Join in on the building of the Naya Shrine and the the drive to the Naya ringtone at 50 patrons. Yeah. Yeah. We will... uh, we will have some fun over the next few weeks building the Naya Shrine. As soon as, as soon as Ian sends me the centerpiece that he wants to be oh, for the whole yes. thing, that's all we're waiting on. And then a live stream for all of you patrons. Let me survive St. Patrick's available. Day, and then we'll work on that. Okay. <laughs> Man, all right, then. Yeah. Ah, uh, Ian, we've got just enough time to get through some quick other news in our lightning round. Beep, 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 oh, beep. yeah. One more thank you to our patrons for giving us their listener questions before I dive into this. I really appreciate it, guys. Every week, it's awesome. Diving right into the other news, the newest Hall of Fame inductees were announced this week. Harlem Heat. Yes, very, very deserved. Very. I was actually surprised that they weren't already in there, but... Uh, yeah, I knew Booker, Booker T's already in he there. He is. That's going to make him a two-time, two-time Hall of Famer. 
which you know he'll be calling out every time he's on the pre-show panel. Shucky ducky quack quack. Amen. Harlem Heat absolutely should be in the, the Hall of Fame. I love it. Uh, I only hope that during the ceremony at some point, Triple H lets Booker T pin him because it's it's owed at this point. Uh, yes. Yusuke Yamaguchi has passed away at age 60. You might know him as Wally Yamaguchi. Uh, he, everyone in the U.S. might know him better. He was the manager of Kai and Tai. Uh, choppy, choppy, pee, pee. Uh, the whole Val Venus thing. That guy. Right. He's actually... That's all he's known about in the U.S., but that's okay. Kai and Tai, no one really respected them either. But they were all big, huge figures back in Japan. Uh, Wally definitely was as well. And um, he has unfortunately passed away. So uh, apparently he's been ailing ever since 2007. So that is a, that is a bummer. He was um, uh, really a pretty awesome character in Japan. And uh, kind of a little bit like the Meltzer of Japan, where he was—he started off as a journalist before actually getting involved uh, in wrestling proper. So, hmm. rest in peace. Rest buddy. in peace. Marty Skrull will be challenging for the Ring of Honor Championship at the G1 Supercard in New York on WrestleMania weekend. Uh, G1 Supercard. So far, you've got IWGP Heavyweight Champion Jay White will be facing off against whoever wins the New Japan Cup. That's when that's going down. Uh, you've got Taiji Shimori, Dragon Lee, and Bandito in a triple threat for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. And then you've got Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa versus the Briscoes. And both titles, the IWGP titles and the Ring of Honor titles, are on the line in that match. So, wow. well, that's if the Briscoes make it. They've got a title defense against PCO and Brody King, villain, uh, villain Enterprises, on Friday. So, theoretically... If PCO and Brody King beat the Briscoes and then beat Tamatonga and Tangaloa, Marty Skrull could be your Ring of Honor champion, and his boys, Villain Enterprises, could be both IWGP and Ring of Honor tag team champions in the course of two days. Talk about draped in gold. That is, Jesus Christ. That is draped in gold. So Marty's going to have to face either Jay Lethal uh, or, let's see, he's got to face Jay Lethal. Uh, Jay Lethal's having a match before then against Matt Tavin. And uh, whoever wins that is going to be facing off with your boy, Marty Skrull. Stokely Hathaway, Cal Bloom, and Robbie E. have signed with NXT, all indie stars. Uh, Stokely's been all over the place. He's probably the most famous of those guys. His work in Evolve has been particularly fun to watch. He's more known as like a comedy manager. So I'm curious what they're going to do with him. Maybe he takes over the Drake Maverick role. I don't know. But uh, definitely interesting signing there. Speaking of new signings down at NXT, Chelsea Green had her first NXT match. It was kind of a house show, and she broke her damn wrist. Huh. She's already had surgery on it, so hopefully she'll be back in action pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, bummer way to start. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Gallows and Anderson are on their way out. They appear to be on their way out of WWE. Their contracts are up in the fall, and they are not renewing them, which is interesting timing. It's right when WWE's going to network's so, yeah, that's a bummer. I hope that they're holding out for better deals, but it's looking like they're going to be heading over uh, back to the indies. They're going to AEW. Yeah, that'd be my that'd be my thought as well. Gals Anderson to AEW. Heard it here first. Probably didn't hear it here first. Everyone's going to be saying that. Uh, Alexander Wolf, aka Axel Tischer, showed up on uh, to face Shotgun Champion Marius Al Ani. At WXW's 16 karat gold tournament night two, uh, it was a surprise. He came out of nowhere. He used to be a big member of WXW, which is a German promotion. He was a member of Ring Kampf, which is currently headed up by Walter 
he'll be facing for the NXT UK Championship at uh, at WrestleMania weekend. Um, he uh, so ultimately Wolf did lose, but he came out interestingly enough in Sanity garb to his Sanity music in WXW before taking before taking off a Sanity shirt and having a ring comp shirt underneath. So interesting. That was actually the whole tournament was great. It's worth checking out if you wanted to see some great European wrestling. Lots of stars over there. Some of them from NXT, like Ilya Dragunov was there. He hasn't really shown up on TV yet, but he was there. Uh, Marcel Barthel was over there. But um, And uh, if you want to check out one match, Walter versus David Starr was insane. Massively intense. David Starr, his WXW... Uh, his his storyline is that he cannot beat Walter and he's obsessed with beating him. But he got beaten again here, and Walter went on to the finals against Lucky Kid, ended up uh, losing to Lucky Kid in the finals. Lucky Kid had to go through all the members of Ring Conf in order to win the WXW 16 Karat Gold Tournament this year. So props to him. They he, he is now pretty much earmarked to be a big international star with winning this. So nice, good job, Lucky Kid. Joey Ryan will be replacing Eli Drake to face Tessa Blanchard at Impact's United We Stand, which is on WrestleMania weekend. So, oh boy. yeah, there's going to be some crotch grabbing in that one, I can just tell you oh, right now. Oh, is he going to dick flip Tessa Blanchard? Tessa Blanchard might get dick flipped. Of course, then again, uh, she might flip him with something, too. So we'll see what happens come WrestleMania weekend. There's going to be a lot more to talk about with, Ring, with Impact and Ring of Honor, but we don't have time on this show. we got to get going. Luke, ha- Luke Harper. He's uh, back at house shows, working house shows for WWE. Luke Harper might be making his return to the main roster soon because he's back working the house shows. Fingers crossed. And finally, Brie Bella has retired from wrestling on Total De- Total Bellas this week. Uh, it was announced she was going to retire and move back to Phoenix to try to have another baby with Daniel Bryan, which uh, Nikki Bella apparently was not 100% on board with. But then again, everything on Total Bellas is fake, so who knows? Yep. That's a show I could say is fake. I can't say the F word about wrestling or they'll kill me. But uh, <laughs> try and tell me that Total Bellas is completely 100% legitimate reality TV and uh, I'll laugh in your face. I don't, I don't know. They, they run a bunch of businesses and just eat at expensive restaurants all the time. That's I want that to, That's be, real my, life. I want that to be my reality. Give me that. Yeah. I want that. Well, guys, there's our show for this week. Thanks again to our patrons. And, guys, if you want to get involved in some of that, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Get signed up for one of our tiers and get ready for WrestleMania. Oh, my God. And the best way to do that is come join us in the Facebook discussion group over on Facebook. Just search for Busted Wide Open. You can find us in there. Send us a join request. We will get you in to hang out with all of our other lovely listeners. It is a fantastic drama-free group, and we aim to keep it that way. Also, come follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast, YouTube at YouTube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com